Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark and today I'm talking with my buddy and fellow podcaster, Spoiler Steve. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to this and it's been a long time coming. I'm really excited for this. I know. it's, Dude, I've been on your show so many times and, and we've talked about this moment so many times and here we are. It's finally happening. <laughs> yeah, there was a moment. I forget. You asked me like uh, one time and I was like, hold off. It's really busy. And then like everything like, you know, went to shit and then... It's like, oh, that's right. We need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've kind of had you in my back pocket for a while. No, oh, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to get, get Steve on and I'm going to get Cove on. It's going to be like Thanos collecting the Infinity Stones. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. I didn't have to like prep for anything. I'm just like, I have no, like, I was like about to like ask, like, do I need anything? I'm like, no. I listen <laughs> to the podcast. They just talk. I know. It's always amusing when I get that, that text message from, from like upcoming guests and they're like, so do I need to do anything? Oh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> just for God's sakes, wear headphones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, dude. So what, what, what we, um, we were kind of reminiscing a little bit. We were talking about our podcast setups right before mm-hmm. we started recording. And I was telling you that when, when StarCast first started, I didn't have like a proper desk that I did recording on. And so I would set up like at the foot of my bed and I would put a stack of storage totes about two feet away from the foot of the bed. And then I had a sheet of plywood that was like two foot by four foot. And I would put that. So one side was on the bed and the other side was on the totes. And then I would set up my laptop, my mic stand. And like, that was my desk. (laughs) Uh, You were a lot better than me (laughs) in the beginning. It was so jank. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, for us, it was one microphone that I found online. That was like, it wasn't a Yeti. It was like one of those blue microphones for like maybe 50 60 bucks looked really nice Mm -hmm. and i was like this is easy and cheap this is exactly what i want just put it right in the middle of two of us and we're good to go and then you hit record that first time then you're just like hi i'm spoiler steve i'm so and so (laughs) and that was it i was like oh what are we doing like no plan (laughs) nothing i don't know i don't even know if i have that recording anymore somewhere in like the ether I have like three hard, like like external hard drives now of just like audio. Holy shit! <laughs> well, I mean, the first uh, external hard drive was like uh, a lot of music and everything because there was a while that I was like learning how like production was with like music and everything and like just like like producing and and things like that. Nothing too crazy or extreme, but just enough to understand the beats and and put in like you know splitting it up and everything so i had a lot of stuff in the first hard drive but yeah uh what was it 2015 i think march 1st so yeah there's been a there's definitely i I just got the third external hard drive because the second one was just podcast stuff from (laughs) that's incredible like, like the yeah like the end of 2017 until just recently and then oh man i gotta start for you get this the uh so like I told you off air, we, I, we, uh, I was a couple minutes late. My laptop this morning uh, died, like finally crashed. I'm going to have to like figure out how to like get a, a – like talking computer tech-wise, I'm going to have to figure out how to get a startup on a USB drive if I want to like save any files that might be in there. But I've had that laptop since 2012. My roommate who had that before me bought it in 08. <laughs> 
So this thing just finally could put and I just started before recording. I just went out to Costco just to check out what they had because their website wasn't really clear on what's in stock and what's online. And then my wife was like, Office Depot, Office Depot. And we just we were able just to get there real quick and now I have a new laptop and uh yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> Dude, you're getting a Dell. <laughs> Basically, yeah. HP though. HP. It's an HP family. Those things like the the, the all I all I have is all I needed was um solid state drive. That's all I is. I think I lost you there. Are you still there? I'm going to pause this. And we're back. Okay, so your your new laptop's really great. <laughs> it, I, I thought it was, yeah. But then as I'm looking at the screen, telling you how like this is pretty cool. I have a, like my first new laptop for the first time in like a decade. Skype just closed on me. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna blame Skype for that one. I get. I don't. Oh man, if there's a weird timer that I don't know about, because there's a a pop up that'll show up later. Hey, you wondering why your apps keep closing? Change the settings. Like fuck you. <laughs> Dude, your old laptop lasted like, like, like what did they say in the in the Lord of the Rings that it gave Bilbo an unnaturally long life? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your laptop roommate, had an unnaturally long life. Yeah, my roommate was like a computer whiz. He threw in a different hard drive when you first bought it, and it lasted all the way. And yeah, and anybody wondering, no porn on this one. So goes the show. Dude, that's been my hard and fast rule with this laptop that I have also, because it's like I specifically bought this laptop for like work reasons. I use it for writing. I use it for podcasting. It is not for porn and stupid ass viruses they're gonna fuck up what i have it for <laughs> yeah to quote modern family porn is for the small screen in your bathroom or on the large screen in your living room there's no in between <laughs> that's a fucking great quote <laughs> there's so many family guys oh my god i've seen a bunch of them but i've far from seen no all no of them. Uh, modern family oh modern family okay yeah, yeah that's sorry. one of those shows that yeah. i never even got into it's so funny it's it's got that adult humor where you're just like i can't believe this is on abc every every once in a while and that was one of those times where you're just like wow that line was said on abc <laughs> <laughs> so i'm um, kind of going back to you filling up all these hard drives with uh with podcasts and audio stuff um you guys at cinecast are just beasts for putting out content um like when when did Cinecast start? How long have you guys been at it? And kind of what was your impetus for for deciding to start the podcast? My well, my roommate now he's my he's been a good friend of mine for many many years. We got into like listening to podcasts because we were working at the same uh, office at this law firm actually where Aaron uh, from Nerds worked as well and where Kova works. Um, and we were just you know listening to all these podcasts and stuff and I've you know. I can do this. Once I get that like idea of like, oh, I can figure this out. Once that <laughs> happens, that's usually the end of it. And then um, Better Call Saul was about to air. And we were like, what a perfect time. Would you want us to try it out? And then one day driving home, I was just thinking of like, what would I call it? And then, well, what's the opposite of Reddit? It's not Senate, but seen it makes sense. And then I was like, well, there that board game exists, but that's just a board game. And that's like one word. So I'll put a hyphen in the middle and maybe I won't get sued by Disney. And I haven't yet. But that also means I haven't made it. So it's like that double standard where it's like 
you know, hey, maybe one day Disney will be like, you can't do this. I'm like, <laughs> oh, damn. Not big enough yet to be considered for litigation. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, who are these people? Um, but yeah, and then I literally just bought a microphone, bought a really, really crappy – or not even – I didn't even have a mixer yet. First got a microphone and then learned real fast how uh, precious sound quality is for podcasts because I All thought right. – I'm going to I'm going to sound just like Bald Move like cuz that's like who really inspired me was a uh, Bald Move from their podcast from Walking Dead. Once I and then they were like, "Yeah, we're going to quit our jobs and start this whole thing." I was like, "What?" And they're still doing it like to this day and stuff and they live like where you are like in uh, you know, Iowa or Illinois or somewhere like around in like the the mid states and everything. Uh-huh. Um and uh, I was like, wow, okay. And then, uh, yeah, we just – over the years, it just went from – I found the uh, the Shout Engine website for a very long time. I don't know if I just got lucky or something, but they never charged me or asked for a credit card or anything. And I was able to make RSS feeds with that website because it was always, quote, unquote, in the beta stage. And then um, over the years, it was first – it was like Bald Move and Now Playing. Those two podcasts were the real big influences for me. Um, and I'm sure you could probably hear it through the intros over the years. And then I just kept changing it, kept having more fun doing it and everything. And because I knew how to edit music in a, in a sense, not I don't know how to edit music at all. Like, you know, Steve Hudson's the guy to go to. But like when he and Dan were talking about like Fruit Loops and stuff all those years ago, I'm like, I know what that is. I use a similar software. <laughs> yeah, so, Fruity Loops is fun. That's like a, a yeah. drum simulator, right? Yeah, it, it's a it's a whole sound producing uh, software where you can just make like what it's what EDM uses. A lot of users, the DJs, yeah. they use that yeah. to create their music, and then I use the uh, Ableton, the alternative, and uh, just from that, like you know, I was I I edited and do all the intros that we do and everything and. And stuff. And yeah, just over the years, it went from television to movie TV news to movies to finally, I just couldn't figure out what the niche was. And then um, this past year, I found like I really found the the balance of it. And that was uh, with the Patreon, because now I don't, you know, because I love doing the uh, the new movie talks and everything. Like I look forward to recording every Sunday to talk about all the new movies that we've seen and everything, but uh, to be actually able to do what I was like really wanting to do in the beginning was like break down movies that I love. Uh, that's like really what's like, I guess not keeping me in the game, but just keeping it all like fresh and new or whatever, you know, nothing's getting stale for me and it's been, you know, six years now doing <laughs> this. It's just, yeah, that's, it a hell of a, that, that's like a really, really, I don't know, that's a that's a that's just a huge accomplishment because you know so many podcasts don't even make it to episode ten. And and to keep yeah. it going for that long. And you guys do have so many different types of episodes and yeah, I, I remember the first time I did your show, I was so nervous and you guys were talking about stuff like box office numbers and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> like I'm so stupid. I'm just here with an opinion on movies, which I came to find out was good enough. <laughs> That's all you need. I mean, yeah, like for me, I just like I I like numbers in general. I like looking at stats. I look like looking at analytics, and um, I've always wanted a a sports center for movies. 
And Collider Movie Talk had that for a very long time. And the Schmoes Know had that for a very long time until they started splitting up into other things. And now they're not really what they are anymore. But um, that's what I really wanted was just to like – like now I, I try to make it like, yeah, we're talking movies all the time. And like that's the main like course or whatever what we will be discussing. But like you know, my my goal or hope is that you know it's like you're going to a bar to meet your friends on your weekly meetup. And you just, you just, your discussion is movies, you know, it's like a book club, I guess, but at a bar with movies instead, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it's just, yeah. Now, that's the way I look at it because there's certain movies that come out and I'm like looking forward to the scene of the episode that's going to come out because it's like, yes, I'm going to go right to this movie. <laughs> I'm going to listen to your introduction. And I'm going to go right to this movie that I want to hear you guys talk about. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. I, I really look forward to that because it, 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 it and also, I like the way you guys set it up, too. So, it's like, if you just want to taste and, and hear kind of like a, a, a spoiler-free take on it, here you go. You're going to get a rating, a spoiler-free thoughts. And then if you want to stick around and and hear all the, you know, the spoiler-filled thoughts, then that's there for you, too. And I, I just love your, your whole setup and the way you guys do your show. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, one of the reasons why, like, I do the timestamps and everything because I'm not expecting – like just from like my own experience and everything, people are like, if you're going to see this movie, I understand. Like, you know, I'm going to like I like doing the band of talking and everything at the end because then that's for everybody that like is for you guys and everything for the people that come weekly and listen. And I have like a repertoire with us. But the people that are just clicking because they want to hear the movies and everything. Well, yeah, this is here. This is the timestamp. And then I also do that because then, you know, ev- movies are very. They can be very seasonal or of the moment, but then there are other times where they'll reemerge or they'll show up on Netflix eight months later and people will then go and look for those reviews. And I feel like it's just – it's definitely a lot more, um, uh, um, I guess, like calming knowing that or like stress-free knowing that you can just click on that and there it is and you can go right there. You don't need to like worry about it because I, w- I wanted to do like the – the 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 middle the in between of like a radio morning show and then a YouTube channel if that makes sense yeah totally yeah I I bet you see that in the analytics too that because like every once in a while I'll dive into the analytics for Startcast and I'm always surprised like you know like oh that that episode was like before number ten <laughs> and then like there's somebody in Germany downloading that like wow yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny when you, when you see that, like, old episodes getting traction and stuff. I guess it makes more sense with yours because, you know, if somebody did watch this show on Netflix or they were thinking about, you know, watching or something like that and they and then they they look it up, you know, that's that's going to pop up on a search, that, that Scenic Cast episode or whatever. And um, so, like, have, have you always, like, super been into into movies and, and, and discussing them and stuff? Like, kind of what was your... Yeah. Like what what was the like the first movie that you remember watching where you were like this is my jam? Ooh, that's hard. Um That is always a hard question, I know. <laughs> well, no, I mean like it's hard to pinpoint which movie because for me my parents are both uh cinephiles. Oh, so, wow. So did you grow up yeah. in the house like where you guys had like every movie when it was coming out and stuff? Not no, like it was more of the opposite. My parents only showed me their favorites or what would be like so like you know quote unquote okay, I gotcha. what they would consider as the best. So like, but then at the same time though, like 
Um, so like, let's like, uh, I would say the first movie I remember, like, okay. So like my dad showed me a Bronx tale when I was probably in fourth or fifth grade. And that took us maybe two days to watch because he's, he's going to pause it every 10 minutes to make sure I'm understanding what's going on and we can discuss what's happening. And like nice. when we all sat down and watched The Godfather as a family for the first time, that took like a like a week because that's all we did was just pausing and everything. And I have uh, three younger sisters. So I'm like 10, 12 years old. And, you know, one of them is very much younger. She's eight, eight years younger than me. But then the other two are like, you know, four years or so younger than me. So it's like, you got uh, a seven-year-old, a nine-year-old, and eleven-year-old watching Godfather, and of course, my parents are you know muting. They know every line, so they're muting certain things. They're fast-forwarding through <laughs> quick things here and there, but like I love it. But like, yeah, they're explaining things. I remember one time my mom went away. My dad talks about this today. Uh, to this day, my mom went away for the weekend, and uh, my dad's just watching us like normal. And then he had showed us Goodfellas the other night. Um, one of the reasons he specifically wanted to show me it was because he wanted to see if I was ready to watch Braveheart because of all the gore. Uh, and then uh, – but then um, a couple of days later, you know, it's like a Saturday, Sunday or whatever. He finds my little sister uh, like going through the DVDs and he's like, hey, what are you doing? What are you watching? She goes, I'm watching Goodfellas like, again. <laughs> like, yeah. And so she just watched it all, you know, and it's just like and, – and she's like – she's the one and she's like – she was the youngest of like the the three before the younger one, of course, but she also went to Columbia Law at the end of the day. So it's like she always had her face in the book. So if she wanted to watch Goodfellas at the age of eight or nine, that wasn't really a big deal. Um, <laughs> Older than her years. So it, she, her first like phrase was, I'm through with all of you. <laughs> so yeah and my first word was spoon. So yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I love that your your introduction to like this classic cinema was almost done in in a way where it's like almost like you're watching it as like part of like a college class or something like that. Yeah, and exactly. so in a way, it's like yeah, you're you're walking your destiny right now, with Cinecast, right? Like doing these things where you're really breaking down movies and and watching them with like an analytical like critic's mind because that's in a way that's how you were kind of brought into the art. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, and then yeah, like there would be a lot of movies that my parents would show me, and then there were a lot of times my mom would go away for the weekend, and like, hey, it's time for you to watch Animal House. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, there's definitely a mix of it all, but yeah, like I, like yeah, like like our movie nights with the family was like watching Cape Fear. <laughs> wow. Actually, I yeah. remember watching that one with my folks. Really? Oh, great movie. Yeah. Counselor. Counts. Oh man. So, oh, so yeah, yeah. De Niro was super disturbing in that movie. Oh man, so good. Let me, let me ask you something. What made you start a par- podcast and do? Because when I remember when you first started this and brought it up years ago as a guest on PCL, it immediately reminded me of uh, an old podcast that Brian Campbell, I think that's his name, or Campbell, I forget his name, but he used to do this podcast called The Moment. And it would basically be – it's like Brian Koppelman or something like that. I forget the guy. He's famous or whatever, a big producer or writer or something like that. But he would just have on famous people and just shoot the shit. 
And I was like, it's very similar. Well, I was, I'm just very curious. What made you um, go that route? Well, um, I've always been like a talker to the point where it's like it's a joke with my wife. Like when 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 I first got into rock climbing, if we went out hiking somewhere, like it wasn't a climbing day, we were just out hiking, and if there was people climbing, she knew I was going to go up and talk to them, and <sighs> it, it might be thirty to forty minutes, right, before I walked away because I've just always been able to do that. I can just walk up to like almost any complete stranger and just start talking to them to the point where it, it weirds some people out where they'll look at me like. Why are you talking to me so comfortably? <laughs> Who like, is this like, guy? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. We're, we're both humans living this human experience, right? Like, <laughs> You're just so innocent and like, yeah. I don't know. Like, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's just the way I've always been. And what's what's adorable is I see it in my oldest son big time. And, and where it's like, oh, you, you inherited that gift for Gab. Enjoy that, child. <laughs> and try not to let it get you in trouble. <laughs> But um, so I, uh, like yeah. I've I've just always been this this type where you know I I like talking to people I, I, you know and um uh when I when I first started listening to podcasts I think the first one I ever listened to was my friend Jeff gave me like a, a thumb drive or or something like that and it was just full of stored episodes of Smodcast like number one mm. on up like maybe like their first hundred episodes or something like that and so. This was back in the day. Do you remember with like the first iPod's shuffle where it was like the, the size of like a, a pack of chewing gum? Oh, and there was like yeah. no string or screen or anything. Yeah. Yeah, like and so, yeah. And so I just loaded all of them up on that. And I had a job at the time where I spent almost all day just driving truck doing, you know, local deliveries on up to things where, you know, the destination I'm driving to might be as far as 90 minutes away, you know. So I was going to spend like oh, three wow. hours windshield time. Minimum. And that was for like morning or afternoon deliveries. Yeah, I was going to do it, at, you know, so I was just lots of time where I'm I'm just driving and it's totally okay for me to have an earbud in one ear. And even if I was in a warehouse at the time, so, you know, even if I was in the warehouse, it was okay for me to have an earbud in one ear. Nobody ever like, yeah. you know, it was never a big deal. And so as soon as I discovered podcasts, I was like, oh, this is the shit. There's, there's no commercials because eventually... Like, I used to listen to, like, terrestrial radio, like, FM and stuff, and then it got to the point where the commercials were driving me insane. Wait, so when you mean terrestrial radio, FM, like, that, that, that has nothing to do with aliens? Yeah. No, okay, no. I'm just making sure. I've never heard of terrestrial radio before, so I'm just making... Oh, really? Just, oh, yeah, it's like a yeah, distinction. Yeah. Like, terrestrial radio is, like, you know, versus, like, satellite radio. Oh, okay. I've always, like, thought of, like, auxiliary, <laughs> I guess. I've never really... <laughs> And also windshield time. That was another thing. I was about to write that down. Windshield time. That's Oh, windshield time. Yeah, that's what I always called it back in the day. Yeah, I used to yeah. have a job where I logged a lot of windshield time. That's, yeah, because <laughs> I used to be a delivery driver as well. Never, never even heard that phrase before. Oh, like, no shit. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, okay, so um, yeah, so I, I was doing all these deliveries and stuff at the time and – uh, terrestrial radio was just really, really driving me nuts in that, uh, you know, it's – okay, hold on just a sec. Yeah. I'm getting bombarded by text messages. I'm going to pause this for a sec. Yeah. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. I had to, had to take a brief break to deal with a cat shit emergency. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it looked like my cat was afraid – and running around the house, and then while he was afraid running around the house, he shit. And so there was, like, little bits of shit almost everywhere. 
And yeah, if only he was wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, it would have it would have made things a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, before I was interrupted by the cat shit emergency, and whoever said that 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 cats are the cleaner, the pet than dogs is totally full of shit. <laughs> I deal with more fucking poop with these two cats than I ever did with dogs. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, the the origin of Starcast. So I, I had a job driving around a lot, listening to. Um, podcasts. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed Smodcast. And then, um, I was rock climbing at the time and there was a professional climber named Alex Honnold that he was featured in that free solo movie. Okay. He did a, a episode of Joe Rogan back in like Rogan's like three hundreds. So like mm. years and years and years ago. And so that was my introduction to the Joe Rogan's podcast was Alex Honnold being on there. And I was like, oh shit, this show's like three hours long. This is the shit. And, you know, Rogan's one of those types, and so is Kevin Smith, where they're constantly being like, oh, podcasts are so much fun, you know, I really implore you all to, you know, get out there and do it. And so that was always kind of in my head. And then once I discovered PCL, and then I was like, oh, and these guys are local, you know, they're not that far away from me living in, in Peoria, Illinois, I mean, that's only like three hours away. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then the the amount of engagement that they had with their audience, you know, in the leftover army, and just what a cool group of people that was. And so, like, I, I feel like the real turning point for me was discovering PCL and joining the Leftover Army. Because now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this Facebook page online and, and the community was relatively small there. You know, there was like less yeah. than there was less than 50 people on when I joined. I think it was like in the 30s or 40s. And and it was just so supportive with such a small group of people. And, you know, I. I'd always been simmering in the back of my mind. It would be super fun to do a podcast. And that's kind of what pushed me to do it was I, I, I feel like this is someplace where I could do this and, and I can share it with, with this group of people. And, and that was kind of the impetus of me kind of coming out of my shell and, and being more like, yeah, okay. I'll kind of put myself out there in, in so far as I'm having conversations, recording them and putting them on the internet for the world to hear. <laughs> You know, right? It's kind of kind of a weird thing, and in, in itself. But I mean, it's so much fun to do, and, and getting to have so many awesome conversations with so many people, and so yeah, and that's kind of led to this. I think this is episode eighty nine. So that's I'm, great. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 really chugging along, and um, I've kind of had breaks, you know, where I've taken like even like two and three months off at a time, and. Um, I'll always come back to it. So it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun doing and, and I've had so many great conversations doing it and, and met lots of great people, you know, and had the opportunity to go on other shows, you know, like going on, on your show and on PCL and stuff. It's, it, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's introduced me to so many amazing people from all over the world. How'd you get on, um, PCL? Was it through, um, the 100th episode? Um, what was it? It was, I think it, I think it was episode seven of Starcast. I had Rebecca Daling on for the first time. And so then I think that episode, I think Brian saw that Rebecca was on this new show. And so he listened to it and then he ended up liking it. And oh. I was, it was kind of part of my morning routine, you know, like Monday mornings. Oh, there's a, a new PCL. And so. You know, I'm up at like five in the morning. <laughs> I'm not like, you know, like doing dishes and stuff like that, listening to my morning podcast. And and Brian 
says, oh, hey, I just want to shout out this podcast I've been listening to. And and it was Starcast. And and he said, like, a bunch of really nice complimentary things about it. And, and I couldn't believe it because it was like, oh, my gosh, like, PCL is one of the reasons I started podcasting. And now, like, Brian's, like, saying that, like, he, the, the, it's like an OK show. I'm like, well, so that was like a huge boost. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so then I, I started, you know, texting with Brian a bit. And then at, at one point he asked me if I just, if I wanted to be on an episode. And I don't even remember what number, <laughs> what number it was or, or what we discussed or anything like that. But um, I, I've done more episodes than I can remember since then i i have so much fun podcasting with with uh with those guys and and i've actually driven to peoria loads of times now <laughs> not not so much since since all the covid shit hit but before yeah. that like every few months i was going to peoria and hanging out with jake and you know doing little mini magic tournaments at his place and um you know going to c2e2 and meeting everybody at the meetups and stuff there it's it, it's a pretty rad community and yeah I, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, if if PCL didn't exist, like, would Starcast exist? Like, would would I? I don't know. It's 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 one of those weird butterfly effect type things, right? Yeah, like it, it could have been one of those things where maybe it would have taken you another year to do it, even. Yeah, and like it's because I was in the in the leftover army, and everybody there was so supportive with you know creative shit like that. Like I had written, I become death. And I think I finished writing it in 2009. And I was just like sitting on, it It was just on a, like my hard drive. And then that got me motivated where I was like, okay, well, if I can't actually get a literary agent, cause I was, I had so many rejection letters from literary agencies in New York. Really? <laughs> oh, oh, it's so sad. When, when, when you send a, when you send a cover letter to them, like to try and get representation, you need yeah. to, include a self-addressed stamped envelope so that they don't have to pay any money to crush your dreams. <laughs> and so after that, you know, you get this this heart full of hope. You have all these manila envelopes, you know, with manuscripts because each different place has got different submission requirements. Some of them want to read a whole first chapter. Some of them just want to read, mm. you know, a couple pages of, of you know, some hook. Some of them just want like a, a cover letter and a brief explanation of what your project is. All this shit. But all of them, they want that self-addressed stamped envelope. And you you mail them all out with this heart full of hope. And then in the coming weeks, it's like you go and check the mail. And then you see your own handwriting on an envelope. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and you start doing the mental math. Okay, how many of, the, how many of these have I gotten so far? And so, yeah, it, it just sat on my hard drive for a while. But then being around the leftover army, I was, you know, I was like, maybe I can self-publish this. And so I self-published it as like a, a Kindle digital download. And then from there it, it went on to then a print edition and then eventually uh, it's on audible and iTunes and shit, which is wild. But that's one of those things where I trace back and be like, if I never listened to PCL, would that have ever happened? I'd like to think that yeah. eventually I would have had the balls and, and published it and stuff. But I mean, it, that's it, awesome. I, I want to listen to it. I, I own it on Audible. <laughs> and I it's a quick like, listen, I've too. Heard you, I know. And I've heard your story. I've heard you talk about it. I'm like, man, this sounds so good. And I just need to listen to it. It's one of those things where it's like I never open Audible. I have like all these books I need to listen to in Audible. And I paused my subscription because I, I just yeah. stopped. And I, now I have like 10 books I need to read or listen to. And you're like on the top of that list. But I haven't like – I. T 
I think you're one of the reasons I even restarted my subscription because I'm like, I need to get this book. I need to listen to this. And it was one of those things where like shit just happened. I don't know if, what it was, but yeah, and now I just need to listen to it. But uh, are you doing NaNoWriMo this year? What's that? Uh, NaNoWriMo is every November uh, this website – Basically, um, you type up your 50,000 words of a story and then if you're able to accomplish it, you're then – your story is then uh, placed into a uh, – oh, what's it called? It's placed into like some type of raffle and then I think from there, uh, if you're able to hit the 50,000 words – then they'll bind your book for free, I believe, as something as like one of the things. But it's like a whole, at least countrywide, maybe worldwide uh, event. But every November, it's like all the creative writers get around and like basically just try to like, like it's basically like all this, all the storyboards you have in your head for the past year. Well, November is when you try to like write it down and see what you can do with it. I'll send you the link to it. My sister got me into it years ago. So every year I'm like, I'm going to try it. And like, I think I got to like 20, maybe 30,000 words and I've just never actually finished it. But, <laughs> and like, it's been fan fiction. I, I have a lot of different, like just cool. Like I have a, I have a legit, like post-its has this storyboard app now for iPads. So if you have an iPad, you can download post-its for free and legit make storyboards out of post-its. Oh, so I cool. have like, I have like an actual like fan fiction what I think the 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 uh, Fantastic Four story should be. So That's like, awesome. I have like yeah, I have like actual like twelve issues planned out. I don't know what I'll ever do with it, but it's there. I have my own uh, mutant character I've created, and I've I've planted like him in different parts of like the Hoxpox storyline just for fun. It's like I've never actually got into the fan fiction, but like I thought of a Western idea the other day as well, and it's just like Nana Remo's like are able to like. I don't know. There's a whole thing about it. my. It's 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 huge. Like before COVID, there's like you know you you get they create book clubs out of it. Like you meet once a month in your local area. You meet all these people and like try to like you know trade ideas and everything. Um, yeah, it's it's huge. It's a whole whole production over it. But huh. yeah, if you can yeah, I've never heard of it before. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh. I'll send it to you. Fifty thousand words is a little. That's a chunk too. I mean, because like, yeah. Like, it's like twelve hundred words a day, I think. Because <laughs> like I become death is, I think twenty five thousand is also yeah, it's only mean, halfway so, there. <laughs> I mean, if you ever wanted to make that sequel, you know, or make it, you know, you know, you could use that. You know what I mean? You got your twenty five thousand words. Start submitting twelve hundred a day. Be like, oh no, now the fifteenth comes around. You're like. <laughs> I need to finish this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always get asked about a sequel for that, but I am, dude. I am, I am totally obsessed with the this other project that I'm working on, which is like it's been like when I first wrote "I Become Death," it was a deviation and a distraction from the other project that is the one that that I'm That's, working on. So, so you don't. So you're okay. So your go to. Like my go-to whenever I – I used to like just write for fun and my go-to is always time travel for some reason. Always like sending Bucky back in time to kill Sue Storm because why the hell not crazy bullshit sort of thing. But, nice. So zombies is not your go-to story? No. Zombies was actually like – zombies has like really never been my jam. Like I, I it wasn't the type that 
I wasn't the kid who grew up like, you know, watching Night of the Living Dead and, and zombie movies yeah. and stuff. Actually, when I was a kid, like I shied away from horror movies. My younger sister like used to make fun of me so much because I remember my mom rented like a whole bunch of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies when I was younger. And and this was mm-hmm. I mean, the house we were in at the time, we moved out of in between kindergarten and first grade for me. So this was, you know, kindergarten or younger. And I remember I didn't even want to go near the house because mom was watching in the living room and all the windows were open. And I didn't even want to hear the score. (laughs) Uh, I I didn't didn't want any of it in my head. I mean, kids are very pressurable at that age. My my nephew, who's like three years old, he was watching. I don't know if it was the Titanic or the documentary of the Titanic, but we went on to a ride in the Legoland a couple months later and it was a water ride. And the whole time he was like, we're going to sink. We're going to sink. And I'm like (laughs) – you just learned how to piss into a toilet. Like, what do you mean we're going to sink? Like, <laughs> and so, yeah, man, sometimes just shit can happen. So I can under, I can completely understand where you're coming from. You're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so at the time I was writing, I was writing a manuscript for a story that I was calling The Fall of the Republic. And hmm. the main character in it was this dude named Eric that was like the seventh in line to like receive this, you know, kind of like this power from the creator that like made him like super powerful among humans on the planet. And like I, I wrote it all out and, and ultimately I was like, there's some really good ideas in this, but this isn't the story. This isn't like the story about Eric that I want to tell. And so then I got distracted because I picked up a copy of Max Brooks, uh, zombie survival guide. Okay. And that was the first time that I really kind of got obsessed with zombies was reading that Max Brooks book because he had all these really great ideas about it. And the one idea that he put forth in there that I liked the most was that the most likely scenario in a zombie apocalypse is going to be people, not zombies. Because zombies, like, they they have rules they have to follow. But people, when there's a breakdown of all social order, there's going to be some really fucking evil people out there that are going to be capitalizing on that. And those are the biggest threat during a zombie apocalypse. That's I don't know. I don't remember how mm. specifically he says that in the book, but that was my takeaway. And that's what really tickled the idea for I Become Death was, oh, it's going to take place years after the initial outbreak where humans have kind of learned to deal with the zombies. But now they're trying they're having to deal with, you know, these these evil, corrupt humans that, you know, are not they, they, they're not treating people well. You know, they're taking over towns and 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 basically being tyrants and, you know, doing all sorts of awful shit. They, they, that's the problem that these characters have to deal with. But at the same time, it's in a, a countryside in a world that's that's also filled with zombies. And so that was kind of my idea for I Become Death was that there's, there's this team that specialized in like close quarters combat, cleaning out cities. And now they have to escort an assassin like through the wilderness and in the height of summer, because generally if in, you know, it, it, if you think about it, if you're in the Midwest during a zombie outbreak, you can travel all you want, probably from like December through February. Right. Because yeah. they're all going to be zombie sickles. They're all going to be frozen. And so the idea for the book was that's when these robber barons and these tyrants and stuff holding these, you know, these cities kind of hostage. That's when they're going to expect an attack. They're not going to expect attack in the middle of July or August. And so that's why this team has to escort this assassin through uncleared territory, because that's when this guy's not going to see it coming. 
And you have a much better story than Army of Thieves, I'll tell you that. Or, or, or <laughs> Army of the Dead, I'll tell you that much. Like, my God. I got to ask you, if you were making this into a comic book form, I'm thinking of like like uh, East versus or East of West or whatever or like a comic book version of Book of Eli. Am I in the right direction there? Like what uh, are you – See, I'm familiar with thinking? East of West, not familiar with the, the Eli one. So I, it's kind of I, the I same haven't thing. read it's either like of them, a, but uh, okay. The Book of Eli. Well, that's the Denzel Washington movie. Oh, okay. That sounded really familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Not seen it, but one of my one of my useless superpowers is remembering movie trailers really, really well. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like that whole um like kind of like east east of west as as well though it's kind of like that apocalyptic west look. Are you? Is that where your is that where your head is, or are you more like a dystopian, like um, city wise, like act like like actual like New York City, or like a yes, like a western? It, it was okay. much more just dystopian in in Fall of the Republic. You know, okay. it, it's like it's like there's a portion, and what's funny is that I wrote that book before I ever really read any Marvel comics, mm-hmm. and so I named the organization that that my team worked for Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then when I started reading Marvel, I was like, yeah, that was a misstep. <laughs> That's funny. But for me, it was more an homage to um, uh, to Lost. Did you ever watch Lost when that was on TV? No, that was like – that's the one pop culture TV series. I was like, no, that bandwagon drove right past me. <laughs> I never looked back. So in, in Lost, they're, you know, they're on this island – that at one point in the 70s, there was like a community of scientists living on the island trying to study it and learn its mysteries. And so they built all these different like research stations all over the island. And they all had like different. So the very first one that they find, they just call the hatch for the longest time. And it's actually the swan station. Well, eventually later on in the seasons, they get to this one station that's called the Hydra. And like the oh. patch like had the Hydra monster. And it kind of made, made me think of that Hydra monster or something that looked kind of like a Hydra monster in, in the movie Willow. Mm. And so well, I, was kinda, I never saw Willow, but... You've you haven't seen really Willow? Read- the movie guy yeah. hasn't seen Willow. That's fucking no. mind-blowing. I know of it, but yeah, that's one of those childhood 80s movies where I just... Because I was born in 88, so that missed me. Oh, gotcha. You should go yeah. back and revisit it sometime. It's like I Val know. Kilmer, Warwick Davis. It's a really, really fantastic like fantasy movie. I don't yeah. know how well the special effects would hold up, but Val Kilmer was just fantastic in it. Right, yeah, and I just saw Val, the, that documentary as oh. well, so I even have a bigger idea of it. I was um, so so, wait, so you didn't read comic or Marvel comics, were you – because I know you read Saga and everything and all those like independent comics. When Did you not read those back then when you were writing the – what was the Fall of the Kingdom? Yeah, Fall of the Republic. Yeah, no, Sorry, I – Sorry, Fall of the Republic. Um, so I discovered – I, you know, quote unquote, discovered comics. Um, that's like the first one I got was a, a trade paperback of The Crow. And okay. I didn't even know that was a comic. Yeah, it's uh, written by a, a writer named John O'Barr. Um, oh, so it's it all black and white. What's that? It has nothing to do with the movie. No, it's Bruce what the movie Lee's was son? based on. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. You should look up the trade sometime. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's worth the read. It's pretty good. Uh, really good source material. Um, I feel like okay. the, the deviations they made for the movie all made sense. In the comic, it's really all more like just T-Bird and his guys that, um, I can't think of the actor's name, but he played the sheriff of Nottingham in the Kevin Costner Robin Hood 
who's like the the overall bad guy in the crow like he doesn't really have a presence in the comic at all and his sister who kind of figures out you know, oh, if we kill the bird, I've, never, we kill I've the actually, guy. I've actually never seen the crow. I Are you fucking kidding it. me? I'm learning all these crazy things about you today. I can't believe this. Yeah, <laughs> I have a weird. I'm telling you, I have a weird blind spot. It's, 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 it's one of those like the crow. You, you haven't seen, yeah, you haven't seen that movie. You call yourself a movie guy. I'm like, yeah, but have you seen Animal Crackers or du- or Duck Soup? They're like, what's that? I'm like, Groucho Marx from the 30s. What? I'm like, all right. So we have, we all have our own blind spots. Okay. Yeah, I, I still have never seen Training Day. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. You know, so, yeah. We all like, have our blind spots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never, you never know. And it's funny. Like, I have all the classics. Kova has all the 80s. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the crow is kind of my, my intro to it. But what's funny is that, I didn't even know about image comics until like I started doing uh, the comic cast with Jordan Leakin. And then his his idea for the comic cast was because at that, at that time I was only reading like DC rebirth books. It was pretty much the only stuff I was reading. Okay. And um, because uh, what was it? Uh, Oh man. How good is Robert Venditti with Green Lantern? Oh, yeah. Those Green Lantern books were fantastic. So good. (laughs) Very, very good. I mean, I I was a huge fan of Rebirth. Like, I I read that DC Universe Rebirth book that, um, uh, oh, his name is totally escaping me now. Um, that's the J? Jeff Jeff Johns. That Jeff Johns wrote. And, like, oh, it was so moving. Like, I don't know if you've read that. It's an oversized yeah. issue with uh, Wally West. He's like trapped in the Speed Force, and he's like trying yeah. to come out. But what he needs is for somebody to remember him, and so he just keeps appearing before all these different characters, and they're all like, mm, "I don't know who you are. I'm sorry." And then eventually he appears before Barry Allen, and he knows that oh, he's not going to remember me. So instead of wasting this time, I'm going to thank him for for giving me this amazing life, you know. And and I'm going to really speak to what's in my heart before I disappear completely into the speed force. Cause every time he tries and fails, it's tearing him apart. And at the very last second, Barry remembers who he is and reaches into the speed force and grabs his hand and pulls him out and hugs him. And is like, Wally, I could never forget you. And like, I, I got tears welling up just talking about it. Now it is such a moving comic book to me. And like, you know, like with the crow and stuff, I, the crow is never bringing me to tears <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, and, and like I'd, I'd borrowed like, you know, because um, I never even called him paperback trades to that. I always called him graphic novels. And like I'd read, you know, the Watchmen and a, 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 mm. a shitload of Batman. Like I had a huge chunk of my bookshelf that was just all Batman paperback trades. Okay. And um, but then Rebirth was really kind of me stepping in and like reading modern comics and I'd never been moved to that point by a comic book. And so then I was like, I have to know what happens next. Like, I, I have to know what this mystery is with the button that, that Batman, you know, that, that Barry takes to Batman to say, you know, we need to figure out what the deal is with this button that, that was, you know, the comedian's button from, from Watchmen. So it was like, Oh, how are they tying this all in together? And so I jumped in head first to rebirth and, 
that's when I kind of started talking with Jordan Leakin, and then he got me doing the comic cast. And he was, at the time, his pull list was, like, astonishingly huge. Like, he was literally reading, like, everything coming out. Yeah, I was listening to that podcast. Like, I know, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Dude, it was to the point where I was, where you, I was read... to have him on last year. I hope he's doing well. He had a, he had a daughter. He did. Yeah, he's he's got yeah. he's got a couple kids now. I, I believe. Yeah, he's yeah yeah he's he's totally in in family mode, which which yeah. I totally get. And um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with with Jordan doing that, and he introduced so many great comics to me because he wanted to talk about everything he was reading, and so then he just starts sending me. You know, like, and at the time, I feel I feel badly about this, but it is what it is. He was sending me, you know, bootlegs of all these books to read, and it's so, all you know. Now all of a sudden, I'm reading all these different Marvel books, all the 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 other Rebirth books that that I wasn't, you know, that weren't yet on my radar. And then the the biggest revelation of all was him introducing me to Image Comics because uh. it was like the Crow very much reads like an Image comic, you know, yeah, but but. And sure, Image has, you know, some superhero books. I mean, notably, in my opinion, the best superhero book there is, if you take it by its entire run in Robert Kirkman's Invincible, um, that's an Image book. And yeah, Jordan was actually the one who was like, oh, hey, I, I read about this comic Invincible and the, the the first trade you can get on online for like five bucks. And so Jordan was the first one to like push me to read Invincible and an image was just a revelation to me. The, the the breadth of stories and storytellers and like it, it's it's still those independent comics are still my they'll always be my bigger jam than Marvel and DC. I appreciate the 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 continuity and and the fact that they've had this staying power and they've have all these legacy characters and this big following and everything. But I just think what the independent books do is far more interesting. And yeah. just with with the different types of stories you can get, um, all the different genres. But yeah, Saga is probably my biggest darling. In, in the fact oh, that it's, we're, coming, it's back. coming back, it's coming yes, back. <laughs> Marco. Oh my god. Oh dude. I mean, if you want to talk can about a comic book that's moved can me we just to tears, comics for a minute because I never get oh, to talk about comics. Oh with dude. People. Yeah, dude, we can talk about anything you want, my friend. <laughs> oh man, I want to talk so much comics. Let's like, do just it. Like. That since you went to that rabbit hole, I'm like, man, I never get to talk about comics, and yeah, I. That's like, like, like when I was saying earlier, my my younger sister Sophie, she loves reading books. I swear, if my parents introduced me to comics the way they introduced her to books, I would have a library of comics my entire life, just nice. because. Because my grandfather's an artist. He he used to draw all like I don't. I don't I know, I know you're not, you're, you're still, you've never seen like, uh, you're like a couple of years older than me. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was born in my 80. grand, yeah, my grandfather would draw all of the camel and like all the, all the ads and magazines used to be in art. Yeah. And so he would draw all of that. And like, that's what he would do. So, and I used to love to draw as a kid. But my parents never really showed me comic books. And then I went to go see Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire in New Jersey. And there is an ultimate Spider-Man on my seat because the comic book shop down the street gave away all these free ultimate Spider-Mans. Number one saying, come to our comic book shop. do more. That's and, a good run, too. Yeah. And from that point on, it's be, it's basically because of Brian Michael Bendis. I 
I got into reading comic books in general because from there I, I jumped right into anything Ultimate. I was like, okay, this is for me, for the new readers. Ultimate X-Men, which is literally the movie because the writer never read the X-Men and only saw the movie. So that was a, a good help, just friendly help like for me feeling familiar with it. But then um, years went by and then uh, Walking Dead came out and we started watching that, the show, and – I learned that – and this was like season three at that point. I learned that there was like 110 issues already. And I was like, what? This story already <laughs> exists? So I found that. So from there, I started downloading Image Comics, DC Comics, and Marvel Comics, those apps. And then – um uh, what's it called? From there, I just whatever was issue one, I just started buying because I loved I the, the comics are cool, like comic books are cool. But let me tell you something: the way you can read them as a storyboard on your iPad or on your phone was the game changer for me. Yeah, agreed. that was the immediate hook because that's how I like visualize things. I don't, I, don't, I can't I I have ADHD. I'll look at the entire page and then go to the top left corner. So with the iPad. I'm just – it's like – it's just reading a television show almost. And then from then on, um, I found uh, Tom Taylor who really brought me in with his Injustice comic book, which was the – basically the five years leading up to the video game, which I had no idea. I was just reading the comic book going, holy shit, Superman's the villain. Um, Quick aside on Tom Taylor. Do you, have you heard the 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 new news? Oh yeah, I've been. I follow him. He's always on the top of my feeds. I know everything going on. Like, oh man. Like on top of that, people are also shocked that he's Australian because <laughs> he's been on CNN now, and he's like posted like, yes, I'm also Australian. <laughs> Jonathan Kent's gay now. Fucking deal with it, you cunt. Yeah, it's and dude. You know, I, like I even have to explain to people like, you're not even reading the full article. It's not. Clark Kent, it's John Kent, so at least he's half human, and no one had a problem with an alien fucking a woman, so like, <laughs> Steve, I don't Steve, know we why. live in a world where people read headlines and base their I entire know. world narrative off that yeah. one sentence. Listen, um, <laughs> there was a great book, comic book, that um, Brian K. Vaughn wrote uh, called, I forget what it was called, but in it, uh, Superman is Canadian. That is a whole sub-like storyline for an issue. Huh. Uh, I'll send you the book. It's only six issues, and it's 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 like it'll it'll make you cry by the end. Um, nice. And then yeah, I've never uh, heard what's of that. it? Yeah, I forget. Oh, I'll look for it right now. And then um, uh, what's it called? Um, Superman's Jewish. Like, however you want to look at it. Yeah, the creators. creators are, yep. Yeah, like, but he is Jewish. Like, however you want to look at it, the guy is literally made to to. He's the Captain America of DC. He was made to, to fight off zombies or to Nazis. So uh, like that's just like you – know, it's just like at the end of the day, he's alien, however you want to look at it. Everybody's been going off on because an issue before, it was talking about refugees. It's just people keep forgetting that comic books are political and they well, just get mad well, when they it, realize that they're political. Like the X-Men is literally that. Oh, oh yeah. X-Men has always been. Yeah. And the thing with – the thing with like – People getting mad about Superman because of this, where it's like, you never understood the character from the beginning if this is upsetting you. 
You want to know what's funny? At least for me, when I found out that he was bi, I immediately was just like, so does he have a kink for Asians like his dad or no? Like, that's all <laughs> I'm really curious about. <laughs> <laughs> like, the guy that he's kissing, the pink-haired guy, is he is he Asian? Because I just want to know. Is, are we following the kink? Like, come on. That's hereditary, right? <laughs> people getting upset about that and i saw on twitter that people uh, were giving death threats to donnie cates about oh, it i saw that it, too I and he's like, like he's like bro i've never written a dc comic in my life yeah, but you do you DC. he's like uh he's like you do understand i'm dealing with venom right now right and like <laughs> i think he's gonna take over fantastic four or something no or Daredevil. fucking way what is it i it's know he's got a Daredevil? hulk book that's that's pretty much he's starting got a right hulk now book, but he's about to take over ah uh, it's either Fantastic Four or Daredevil. It's one of the two, but he's about to take over a new um, Fuck yes. Marvel. But yeah. Dude, I hope he does Daredevil. I would love – I love Donny Cates' writing so much. He's all I, – I haven't read enough of him to have a full opinion on him, so – Have you read God read Country? Is, no, I have oh, not. Oh, dude. I think yeah. it's a seven-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's – it has okay. it all. It, it, has a, it has it all. It's It's got heart. Humor and heroics. It has everything you want in it. In the ending of it, oh, every time I read God Country, I'm in tears at the end, and I want to call my dad and, and tell him how much I appreciate him. You know, it's it's just one of those because God yeah. Country is about this guy who's dealing with his father going through Alzheimer's, and when his father has bad episodes, it's it's really bad, and he's really mean to everybody around him. Well. All of a sudden, this big tornado comes and destroys his dad's house right in front of him, and he's like, "Oh my god, I just." My dad's dead. There's no way he survived that. But what happened was in this tornado that came down was this giant sword that was like the sword of a god. And when his dad holds the sword, the Alzheimer's goes away and he remembers everything. You like this story? Oh, it's fucking amazing. Okay. And Have then what's read- even better is the god who lost the sword comes looking for it, wanting oh, it back. Okay. What's this called? God Country. God, that's six. Okay, I want to look this it's up right like now. It's like six as well. or seven issues, dude. I have hardcore goosebumps going up and down both yeah. arms right now talking about this book. Yeah, God Country. I think it's a seven issue miniseries, and okay. it, it's incredible. It was it was really the story that it was the comic book that put Donny Cates on the map. And then, have you ever read Redneck? No, his, his independent comic that's a vampire comic. It's a vampire. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Through Image, that's up to like maybe volume six now in the trades or something. It's 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 a really cool and it's it's an atypical vampire story. It takes twists and turns and has characters in it that you're not expecting. And you haven't usually seen in that genre. Okay. And um, sorry, I'm, uh, on, the, I'm on a Donny Cates. No, no, turn. you're fine. But um, uh, Brian K. Bond, that that story I was telling you about that six issues. It's called We Stand on Guard. Oh yeah, I've read We Stand on Guard. I fucking love that uh, book. I lo- dude, I was crying by the end. I was like, holy shit! I didn't think I could tear up for this, but um, you should check out the Sword by the Luna Brothers. It's a twenty-four issue story. Okay, that one's on my list. Just, you need to read that. I read that. I was like, ho- like that has some twists and turns. I could. That was that was a great story for independent story wise, but. Um, I read their book Girls. Did you ever read that one? No, I, I haven't read anything else by them. It's just the sword. But I, 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 I'll die on that hill. The sword is a great. Just it's about this uh, paraplegic girl. These people show up to our house one day, and they're like, "We're here for the sword." And she's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." 
They kill her entire family. They burn down her house. She finds this sword and she can walk. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And that's that's how I'll leave it. So, yeah, it's really good. And I really like their story. work on girls. That that was that was yeah. a weird fucking book. It was like this what small town it? gets like a big dome put over it so nobody can leave. And they have no idea oh, where it okay. came from. But they find this like naked girl walking down the road who's like super hot. And so this guy's like, you know, what the hell? Come on, let me take care of you. And he takes her home and she just wants to have sex with him. And mm-hmm. so he ends up having sex with her. And then he like a little while later, he's like, oh, no, fuck. What have I done? I think he's like going through a breakup or something like that. And then like he goes in like the room that he left her in. And they're like, there's all these eggs everywhere. And they hatch and they grow up really, really fast. And they're more naked, hot women that just want to have sex. But then when they see other women, they freak out and become violent and try and kill them. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And so they slowly start, you know, like seducing all the males in this town. And then every time, you know, some of the guys go and have sex with them, more of these eggs start hatching. And then more of these girls are running around. You know, and it's like, it's some, are they aliens? What the fuck is it? And then, you know, these townspeople start turning against each other with the women saying to the men, you know, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Stop fucking these things. Right. <laughs> You're basically like, we know we shouldn't. Interesting. <laughs> it's, okay. It's a wild book. And I kind of lucked out and the entire compendium was on Comixology Unlimited one month. And so oh, I just nice. sat and read the whole thing while I, while the getting was good, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I have a Comixology Unlimited pass just to just to ensure like if anything comes on one day, and it gives me discounts on buying stuff. But yeah, yeah. I like I love that pass for some reason. Uh, but yeah. Uh, oh man. And then yeah, like so I started buying or or just buying number ones. Lazarus was at the time like number seven or oh, eight. I love that like, book. It was like oh man, when you find out like okay, so I guess. Uh, Sorry for your listeners. Full spoilers with whoever we're going to talk because you're all – I'm almost up to date. There's a couple of books I have not read yet. It's like the in, the interludes between or whatever that he's t- – the Roka is taking his like you know 10-year hiatus on. But yeah, when you find out the little girl is a, like a clone or whatever and you're oh, like, right? what? Yeah. You're like this entire t- – like oh my god. She's not the fir- – like holy shit. Like man. But Birthright, I literally – Got lucky, found it the week it came out, number one, on uh, on image.com or whatever. I was like, what's this? Jumped into that immediately. I'm like maybe five – a volume behind maybe, but I'm almost up to date with that. Joshua Williams, I'm like a hit or miss with his writing though because I did not like his Flash run at all. Oh, really? I really enjoyed his Flash run. That, I don't – That was it, one of the rare Rebirth good. books that I have almost every single one of them in, in Really? Print. Yeah. See, like, like you, I bought every re- – like – I got back into comics as 52 is ending. I have every Batman and Robin uh, Eternal book. I got lucky and caught on right in the beginning of that, right up until Rebirth started. So I literally bought every Rebirth book and like gave them all three issue tries. And Flash, I stayed on for a while, but it it got stale at like maybe after, I don't know, 20, 30 issues. I just didn't care anymore. Um, but Robert Venditti read his entire run. Um, Batman was pretty good for a while, but Tom King, I was hit or miss on his arcs. Yeah. Um, his arcs was not really there, but, um, his uh, war of jokes and riddles arc 
was that was good. Is so that was fucking good. good. Yeah. Um, um, the Justice one shot State, also with Odyssey. the double date. That was one of my favorite oh, Batman yeah. Superman comics I've ever read. It was so fun. Oh, I agree. That I know exactly what you're talking about. That was really good. Um, Justice League Odyssey or anything with Jessica Cruz, really. She's been amazing. Whoever's writing her has been really good. Um, Green Lanterns was hit or miss, but Justice League Odyssey was fantastic. Um, yeah, I didn't read any of Odyssey. That that came oh, out that came out later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I jumped on because it was Jessica. It was um, yeah, it was uh, Jessica Cruz, and just like it was just its own story. It was like Star Trek meets Justice League, and I was like, okay, I'll check this out. And oh, it cool. Did not disappoint. Yeah. Um, but honestly, any I will read anything Tom Taylor writes. It doesn't matter anything he puts on paper and is selling. I'm buying. Like ever since Injustice, the only thing I stopped subscribing to of his was Injustice, like year zero. Like it was, it was a bullshit. Like, like he needed a paycheck or DC needed some additional <laughs> Injustice shit. Yeah. But everything else he's done, I'm always on. Um, he wrote this one fu- uh, Batman annual for uh, Alfred uh, that came out like in 2018, I think, and I cried man because it was literally just like alfred just breaking his back the entire issue and then batman or bruce finally realizing and just leaving him a note of just how thankful he is of like what alfred does and i cried and i rarely cry with comics in general and i like man and then also uh dc rebirth there was an uh aquaman had a great run for like the first like 20 30 issues yeah i agree like he was – oh, I loved that run. Before they had to make him Jason Momoa-esque <laughs> yeah. in the comics, those runs were great. And he had this one annual with him and um, – I forget her. Wow, I'm, I'm blanking on her name now. Um, Mira? It's not, Mira, yeah. I was like, it's not Thera. Mira. And they're, they're basically poisoned by something that's making them have the same dream. And it's like 10 years later and they have a child. Oh, and wow. it's like you either have to give up this dream and come back to reality or basically live this dream until you rot in a sense. So it's literally Mara and um, Arthur having to basically kill their child in order to wake up them and all of Atlantis. Oh, and it was shit. One of it is one of the most heartbreaking stories. I cried. I like. I never thought a Aquaman story in general would make me tear up. And man, it's been years since I've read this uh, issue, and it still is an impact on me. I don't even have kids. And I was like, holy shit! They literally had to give up a life that that they thought they were living because of this like poison weed or whatever that like engulfed Atlantis. God, that it's reminds a, me of an episode of uh, Justice League where Mongol gave Superman some sort of plant that basically puts you in like a dream state where it gives mm. you exactly what you want. Yeah, it, very similar to that. Yeah, yeah and, and he it puts him in a dream state where he's back on Krypton and he has a family. Yeah, and, oh, and, I remember and a, that. And a episode. son. And then like Batman and Wonder Woman show up at the Fortress of Solitude and then Wonder Woman's trying to hold her own against Mongol and she's getting her ass beat. And so Batman's like basically yelling at Superman being like, he's going to fucking kill her, Clark. You need to snap out of this. 
And then, like, when Superman comes out, he's so fucking mad at Mongol. It's, like, one of my favorite parts of that episode is because it's so rare to see Superman actually legitimately get mad. And he's so pissed off at Mongol because he had to give up on this dream. He had to walk away from a a life on Krypton and and a Kryptonian son and everything like that. And he's, like, beating Mongol's face and, like, do you have any idea what you did? And, like, he's just so pissed off and... I, I love the Superman character, and I've always loved it. The I, like not injustice losing is cool, but I like the idea of Batman or Superman losing is cool. Yeah, but not injustice level losing is cool. <laughs> like that's too. That's I mean, too yeah, dark. It's, it's interesting. Like, what is the line that like like because obviously he's able to stop and do whatever. Like perpetrator wise, he's dealt with the worst. But what is the line? What makes Superman snap other than the loss of Lois. There's got to be something. There's got to be some type of like injustice in general where he's just like, I've had enough. And is it that? Is it just Lois? Is it because he is Superman? That's the point, right? He's better than all of us. He is in. I mean, I'm sorry, Joe. I don't know if you're religious or not, but like he is in a sense the modern day Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and that's how he's always bandied about, you know, as the. You know, when when people like lament on there's not that many good Superman stories out there, yada, yada, you know, saying like, how, how do you how do you write stories for Jesus? How do you come up with problems for this guy to overcome? And it's like, yeah, it's possible. There's plenty of good Superman stories out there. But I, I think that is something that, that some writers fall into. Did you watch Heroes when that was on TV? Not really. I got into the first season, but then obviously that's all that's with worth the watching. strike and everything else, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, like I kind of remember it, but yeah, like that is. See, they they came up with this fantastic character in in the Peter Petrelli character so, that like, that his superpower was whenever he came in contact with anybody else with powers, like he gained their power, but like he didn't steal oh, it like from sink. them. Yeah, but but he, then he kept them all, and he could cycle between the different powers at will. And so by the end of the first season, he's got everybody's fucking powers. And so when you go into the second season of Heroes, you're like, fuck, yeah, Peter Petrelli. He's going to come in here and fuck shit up. And the first thing they do is make it so he doesn't remember who he is. And and then it's like, and, and then he like loses his powers altogether. And it's like, in my mind, it was like. All these writers, it's like, you guys have no idea how to write a, a, an OP character. So you're just going to fucking castrate him instead and take away all this shit. And I, it was the most egregious thing that pissed me off with Heroes. But then as the seasons went on, like, it got so much more worse than that. So, I mean, Heroes is one of those things where we'll leave it at the first season. But I've always taken it as a lesson of, you know, some writers, they'll create a character and make him so fucking powerful that they don't know what to do with him. And and that's always kind of a bummer because, dude, what a cool character. So you mentioned that a character, was, um, Sink. Is that like a Marvel character? Yeah. I, I What's it called? This past since 2019, the second hit – because uh, – what's it called? So like back with what – like um with – like uh, I the same time that Rebirth happened was around the time Secret Wars was happening. And like I got into like Hickman a little bit. And now since he took over X-Men, I, I own – every x-men book on <laughs> nice. digital from 2019 on because i need to know what's happening and there's this one mutant called sync where if he's near another mutant he's got their powers uh but yeah i'm i'm just like i'm i'm now like a diehard like everything that, that hickman's doing with 
X-Men right now is just so good. Like if you have X-Men uh, or Marvel Unlimited, it's the best time to get that subscription for X-Men alone because what Hickman's done, in my opinion, is just so um, episodic level in a good way where it's just – man. And Benjamin Percy, his Hellions run is – he's so funny. It's so good. Benjamin Percy is my new – like my writer of the year. He's so <laughs> funny and so good. I loved like, what he did with Green Arrow in Rebirth. I hated Rebirth. I hated you didn't Green like his, Rebirth. You didn't oh like that God. Benjamin Percy book? I, dropped, I thought it was so much fun. Dude, I dropped off after the um, the first uh, volume. <laughs> I thought it was it, a lot of fun. That's funny. <laughs> I think I'm the right person then. If it's not, who's writing Hellions? Because Percy's a hit or miss. Because he's doing a lot right now. He's about to do the new uh, Wolverine book. Uh, he also did out. Rebirth Teen Titans, and that was a pretty good run too. Oh, I hated that too. <laughs> oh, I, I'm telling you, I read all of those new books that I did not care for Teen Titans either. Oh my god, it's fun. No, it's not Benjamin. Is it? No, it can't be. Ben- wow, what the hell? Hold on, Hellions twenty twenty. Is it Benjamin Percy? <laughs> No, it's not. It's Zeb Wells. I knew it. I'm like, okay. it's not. Benjamin Percy's a huge hit or miss. He's doing the Wolverine right now um, in the comics or whatever, as well as X-Force. And each issue is a hit or miss. I'm saying his name because I read his new X-Force came out today oh, or yesterday. Okay. Um, but no, Zeb Wells, that is the writer. Uh, Benjamin Percy is not the writer of the year. It's Zeb Wells. Ze- like, like Joe, I'm telling you, Zeb Wells is the new – writer to look like it was first uh brian michael bendis then it was tom taylor and now it's going to be zeb wells whatever he's writing next you're going to want to get it on because he is so funny like i i implore you to check out hellions by itself you might not even need to understand what's going on in x-men right now he is so funny and so good like the way he writes sinister oh my god He's like, like Magneto shows up to, and he's like, "Where did you get that cape?" And he's like, "Yeah, but do you want to join our new society?" Yes, but the cape, I need <laughs> to know who made it. It's just everything that Zeb Wells is doing with this whole. Th- it's just, it's the most, it's the dark humor you want. It's so good. I can't say enough about Zeb Wells. He's the new guy to check out. Yeah, I've never even heard of that guy's name, so yeah. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Oh man, but yeah, Mar- if you have the Marvel Unlimited, which is basically um, every every Marvel comic that's unless it's three months, unless it's under three months old, it's in the app. Yeah, I've just uh, got Comicsology Unlimited, but but usually some of that Marvel stuff will go on there eventually. Yeah, if the Hellions might actually be on there right now, the Volume One, and man, that's all you need. Okay, so what's Hellions about? Hellions are basically the um, so basically what's going on in X Men is. Um, they're taking all of the old titles from all the years and they're basically rebooting them um, in a soft reboot. So everything that's ever happened – basically what's happening now in X-Men is um, – all right. Do you remember the character Moira McTagger? Uh, just movies. I don't know if I've read her in the comics so much, but I definitely remember from the movies. Yeah. So she's basically a love interest to Charles. Basically, um, Hickman has uh, retconned her to become a mutant. And every time she dies, 
she's not necessarily brought back to life, but um, she's her soul is brought back to zero. So her memory stays intact, but her life starts over. Oh, wow. That's like wild. Reincarnation. It's like actual reincarnation. So um, Moira Matagger is basically the reason for all of the different quote-unquote storylines in the X-Men run for the past 60 years. So every time she dies, she tries something new to get the mutants to be not hated on, and it keeps getting worse and worse. So we're finally at Life 10, I believe, or Life 11, and she's been told she'll get 12, maybe 13 at tops from Destiny. So basically, we're now in the Dawn of X era where she's finally in life nine went or life 10 went finally met charles in college like always but basically said i know you're a mutant i know who you are read my mind i've literally lived until the year 3000 i need you to learn all this information and understand that we always fail mutants always lose no matter what we will lose by the end of whatever it is, whatever's coming, a thousand years from now, ten thousand years from now, we will lose. So you and it's always having to do with you and Magneto. So we need to figure something out. So basically, this Dawn of X era is everybody. Every if you are mutant, you are allowed on the island Krakoa in the in the mutant society, and they've created. Uh, drugs that heals every disease. So if your country, like America, wants to acknowledge Krakoa as an actual state, then you need to accept our medicine. That's the only way we'll sell you the medicine. So if you want to save all the people in your country from cancer, AIDS, any other human disease, we have that cure. All you have to do is acknowledge Krakoa as a nation, and any mutant that comes into existence has free, uh, basically transport or whatever to Krakoa. So they have now created their whole their own nation. And there's one issue where um, uh, Magneto straight up tells all of the leaders of like who would be considered the UN, like we're doing what you did a thousand years ago. We have figured out how to do better than you, and we are hoping within a hundred years from now, we will be the uh, the 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 alpha, and you will be the beta, because that's how life goes. We are the next evolution. So as such, instead of forcing us to become the next stage, we will just buy our way in. <laughs> so we acknowledge that we should have full control over the earth in a hundred years. Since we can't do it by force, we'll do it with money. So you wanna you want your people to have faith in you by buying our products, you need to acknowledge our country. That's all we're asking. We don't want control over anything. We just want you to acknowledge our nation. You we want you to acknowledge our people as people. And if you're not going to acknowledge them and be racist and uh, judgmental over them, 
then you will send them our way because we will not be that. And then what people on Earth don't know is that the mutants have figured out how to uh, recreate or clone life. So if you die on Earth, you'll just come back to life and everything will be okay. No problems, no questions asked. Whatever age you want to come back as, your memories will be intact. You're good to go. But again, that's only for mutants. And then on top of that, two years later go by in the storyline, they have now – we've found a new realm called um, – uh, I forget – oh, fuck. I forget what it's called, but basically a world in it called uh, Arako, which is a part – which was – used to be part of a Krakoa millions of years ago. But there's all these other mutants within other worlds that existed. But because of X of Swords that happened last summer, now there's about a million new mutants in the world. Where are we going to put them all? And so the mutants in one night during the Hellfire Gala colonized and terraformed Mars. And so Mars Holy is shit. now – Mars is now breathable and live and livable, and only mutants live on Mars. And it's now called Araco. It's not called Mars anymore. It's called Araco. Holy shit, dude! Or, 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 How or, many Jonathan or, Hickman books do I have to read to <laughs> to, to get on board with this? I, that sounds like a you, lot. I mean, here's the thing, though. That's why X Men or Marvel Unlimited comes into play. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, uh, but I can give you the the main storyline themes. You don't have to follow everything. It's basically House of X, then X of Swords, and then Hellfire Gala. Like oh, the nice. main events you can follow. But if you want to understand everything that's going on, then yeah, there's Hellions, there's New Mutants. Uh, X-Men for the past two years has just been like event storytelling. Now we're finally – rebooted the storyline um jerry duggan who's also an amazing writer right now he just did an amazing halloween uh issue for x-men it's like a it's like a reboot of a reboot and it's now the x-men are the avengers like they're literally taking down and defeating uh event level villains in an issue like they're gods like the X mutants are gods like what Hickman's doing and what whatever's happening Inferno's going on right now. There's so much happening. If there's any type of comic book line you want to follow right now, it, it's the X-Men. And honestly, just go through X or Marvel Unlimited because Hickman's leaving to do independent stuff. So we're not sure what's happening Ooh. with the storylines in general. But there's so much good stuff with Teeny Howard. Leia Williams is doing such a good job with X Factor, but now she's doing the trial of Magneto. There's just so much storytelling, and it's so well done and handled. I'm a little worried with what's going to happen now that Hickman's leaving, as because he's the head of X Men. Like he literally became there, there's the publisher and editor for Marvel. Hickman took over publisher and editor of X Men. So anything going on in that realm has to go through him, and it's just stopping now. So. Anything from House of X, Dawn of X, anything of that era from like 2018, 2019 on, it's it's like must read. The only thing I would not recommend is Fallen Angels. That's a huge waste of time and I can summarize that in three <laughs> sentences to get you ready for Hellions. Because also what they're doing is if a, if a book is canceled, they're not getting canceled. They're able to finish the story and then whatever the next story was supposed to be – gets turned into a different title. So ah, like smart. trial 
Yeah, so the trial of Magneto is supposed to be a storyline in the X Factor, but X Factor got canceled. But Marvel liked the trial of Magneto storyline, so Hickman's been doing things of being able to like making twelve issue runs instead of like like never ending stories. Yeah, I'm I'm a bigger fan of of the smaller runs like that that are more digestible, especially for yeah. for the big two with the type of storytelling that they do and the amount of continuity that they have. You know, for a novice just coming into that, it's it's overwhelming to think where the hell do oh, I even 100%. start? Yeah. Hickman is one of the great guys to do, though, because like especially for a novice, you don't need to read anything else. Hickman will explain everything and his stories are complete. So if you want to read up to Secret Wars, start at Avengers, New Avengers in 2012, and you have three years of story to read to get up to Secret Wars. And it all makes sense because he's in charge of it. So – Secret Whenever, Wars was rad. Oh, I loved that story. And that's why I, I jumped into X-Men so quickly when I found out Hickman was doing it. I'm like, oh, it's the same guy that did Secret Wars? Okay, I'll try it out. And I have not been disappointed yet. Because if I was about to be disappointed, the story gets canceled. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it works out either way. Yeah, sorry. I went on for a minute there. But, no, uh, it's I, cool. I, I, I love what x-men's doing right now it's just i've never been so excited to read and every wednesday morning i got new shit ready to go <laughs> that's awesome dude yeah yeah let's see um i had i don't think i've been reading anything from dc or marvel recently pretty much everything i've been reading is well i have been read. that's not true i've been reading like older marvel stuff like what um well i've been reading um the original run of the Eternals. Oh, which one? The um, like the, the very Morrison first one? one that came oh, out. Oh, okay. So I think it's Dude. oh, uh, if you should. Oh man, look up Atlantis attacks all these annual stories. They give this interesting intro to like what like the the beginning of the world is, and I have a feeling that might be what Eternals movie might be about. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Sorry, I completely interrupted you. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. I was just pulling up Comixology to see if I could figure out who did this first one. Was it? For uh, I mean, it's, it's when they first introduced them, though. Eternals back in, I think it was Stan, um, not Stanley. Um, uh, wow, Jim? No, not Jim Lee. Z- uh, Kirby. Kirby. Yeah, that's I was gonna say it's Jack, Jack Kirby. Yeah. No, I don't want to download it. <laughs> no not that but yeah it's like i'm looking at comiXology on my phone but i do not read comiXology on my phone that's for my <laughs> ipad oh, man. I, I bought an ipad i bought a used ipad just to read comic books dude what a great investment right yeah because i was, was reading so them on excited. my phone and it was fucking brutal yeah dude for years i think i read all of batman and robin eternal on my iphone and then finally the ipad came into play i was like yes <laughs> it makes such a big difference like actually having a screen that's roughly the same size as size as the comic book page right oh man i finally got my wife to start reading comics and i was very excited about that her first book that she read was Nailbiter. have you read that Ooh. one joshua williamson book i uh, i was see that's the thing i I saw it was Josh Williams. I started reading it. I was not in the right mood, so I stopped because I was like, I don't want to not read this. So I have it borrowed on Comixology. I just have not gotten back to it. 
Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite comic runs of all time. Like, I, I love mm-hmm. all of Nailbiter. And then so Nailbiter's 30 issues and then he did Nailbiter Returns, which is another 10 issues that picks up okay. right where where the other one leaves off. And so, yeah, my wife read that and like she couldn't put it down. She flew through the trades and then flew through Nailbiter Returns. And, oh, that's great. Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> like I've been trying to get her to read comics for like the last four years and she finally started doing it. And so like um, she's a huge horror fan. And so I went on a tear going through my comiXology library and just comiXology unlimited and downloaded like I think eight different books for her. And um, right now she's reading Ghosted, which I have. That's another Joshua Williamson book. And I have that in trade. So it's like, I think, four four volumes in paperback trade. So she's going through that one okay. right now. Man, you should try to get her into Saga. I put the first three. The first three volumes are on Comixology Unlimited. So I downloaded all three. And I said, okay. here you go. <laughs> it said, this book has everything. I said, and for his outlandish as it seems you know with like this space opera and you know like all all these these wild different you know alien species and everything the cool thing about saga is that it's still so relatable dude you know what's weird about saga for some odd reason the one story that always sticks out to me is that um that author storyline in the beginning of like like maybe volume 3 yeah. where they go to his planet and I think it's where we meet Gus Gus, maybe. Yes. And Goose. <laughs> yeah. And and it's yeah, Goose. And then uh, and then it's like when he dies and everything, I'm like, what? Like, oh, that still hurts me. It's been like five years since I read that. Dude, yeah, Saga's one of those books where it just has a lot of deaths in it that like really, really hurt. And in oh. and you know, you don't see it coming at all. And then it happens, and it's just like, oh, that's so fucking heartbreaking. And, like, I don't want to spoil anything from where Saga left off, but... Oh, I wanted to get into that. (laughs) Okay, spoilers. Spoilers for Saga. Um, Because, yeah, let's get into this and talk about it then. But, yeah, well and truly here... Marco. Yeah, spoilers for Saga. (laughs) Poor Marco. (laughs) Dude, I'm like, that last panel, that last splash page is like, 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 burned in my retina i'm yeah. just like to this i haven't day, stopped I'm thinking like, about it for the last this few is years happening it's it's like uh and and it's like when you when you look back on all the different choices and everything marco makes it's like it was all leading to this it's uh, like if if you would have just but i mean you're asking a character to if you would have done the opposite of what you do you would still be alive because, you know, he, he had the opportunity to end the will, and he didn't, and he turned his back on him, and the will ended him instead. Oh, and that's the other thing. Bitch. It was the will. I have all – I have – who it could have done? It was the will. The uh, the other guy we've been following since yeah, issue two. the other guy that like, you're kind of somewhat hesitantly shit. rooting for. You know, Dying it's – Hey, Vaughn, man. What the f- – and, and uh, was it Peoples? <laughs> I forget her name. Um, Fiona Staples. You know, Staples, oh, hard, like, what the fuck? And then, like, oh, we're going to take a break. Now? Now you're going to take a break? Oh, now you need this? What (laughs) the? Mm. I I agree with them. Don't get me wrong, but, oh, my God, I'm so mad. And they said that that break was about halfway through the run, so presumably we got another 50 issues to go. 
Is that all that was? It was only 50? Yeah, I think it went on hiatus on episode, on issue 54. They had a couple of hiatuses. I just this was the longest one for sure, but man, it's only been 50 issues or 54 issues. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what I read for a long time and then I finally stopped? Wicked and Divine. That was good for a long time. Oh, I read the first few volumes of that, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then I fell off it. It was that was totally weird. I mean, a really, really cool concept that it's like there's this pantheon of gods mm-hmm. and, and they keep coming back and like reliving like they kind of like manifest and like isn't it like a teenager yeah and then it's like they're only going to be alive for like a year or something like that and then like lucifer dies first this time and you're just like huh definitely like it was yeah it was definitely intriguing and capturing the first couple of volumes but then it was just like where are we going with this Yeah, it's always too bad when when that happens with a run where they, it's almost like they've got more ambition to keep it ongoing than they have story to keep it going with. Yeah. Um, have you read any of Doug Wagner's stuff? Have you ever read like Plastic or The Hard Place? No. Oh my gosh, I I love both of those books so much. The Hard Place, though, that is, in my opinion, it's like one of the best single mini series of comics that you can pick up. It, it's a perfect story. And okay. it's it's all this incredible action where it's a five issue miniseries and it's this dude who was a wheelman for robberies and he's just getting out of prison. And right when he comes out of prison, he goes and sees this like this Russian mobster guy that's like a head of like a crime family. And he's like, hey, I just need to clear the air for you. And you come to find out that the reason that that he's in prison is that the last job that he was doing wheelman for the car crashed and the dude who was in there with him was his best friend who was the son of this like Russian mob guy. And so he goes to see him and he's like, I just want to make sure that, you know, we're okay. And that, that guy's basically like, wow, you got a lot of balls coming here, but you know, I respect that. Yeah. You don't got anything to worry about from me. And so then he's like trying to get his life back in order and he goes to the bank prison though. No, this is this is after he's gotten out of prison. Okay, okay. So the thing has happened. He did his time. He's out of prison now, and he's trying to get his life back to order. His dad is like kind of in poor health, but runs like a an auto garage, and so he wants to go to the bank to get a loan to get like some new tools and kind of revamp the shop. And while he's in the bank, it gets robbed, and the people robbing the bank all of a sudden notice him, and they notice that he's this famous wheelman, or they know this about him, and so they take him and a girl who was standing in line hostage, and they make him drive the getaway car, and then they're keeping the girl as a hostage. Now, the book's called The Hard Place, because that's exactly where the main character is, because when this happens, the police immediately think, he's gone back to crime, he's public enemy number one, shoot to kill on sight. The Russian mob... They're pissed off because the girl that got kidnapped, it was that guy's daughter. And so and now he's thinking, what the fuck? This guy kills my son. and Now he's kidnapping my daughter. And so the Russian mob is also like, kill this motherfucker. And ah. so that's why it's called The Hard Place, because the main character is, you know, he's in The Hard Place. And so it, it that the, sounds good, dude. It is so fast paced action. And it's got this incredible heart that comes along with it. Um, the artwork in it is super unique. It's by, I, I believe it's by Nick Rummel, 
did the art and it's the the color work in it too is really really fantastic yeah the hard place um all the if you get the i think it's the b variants for every cover is a water color uh cover done by brian stelfries that are just fucking gorgeous covers Maybe they're, maybe they're the A covers. It's been too long since I thought about that. But the Brian Stelfries covers are all water brush or um, uh, watercolor, and they're all just immaculate, just beautiful. Um, I, I've had Doug on the podcast a couple times, the writer for those books. He's such a cool guy, and he's so open about everything and, and just couldn't be a more gracious guy. Um, the, the other book of his that I mentioned, though, like it couldn't be more different. It's called Plastic, and it's about this guy – and this girl that are very much in love and they stop at like a convenience store while they're kind of like on this road trip going like kind of cross country. And they stop at this convenience store to like get donuts. Cause they really love, basically they like eating donuts and fucking in the back of their car on like old country yeah. roads and stuff. And so they stop at this convenience store to get some donuts. And while the, the dude is in the, the store getting the donuts, he comes out and there's like a whole bunch of like, you know, like, older teenage boys or maybe like in their young 20s and they're harassing the girl in the car and so this guy like kind of loses his cool and like really violently beats the shit out of them and it comes to find out that these kids that he beat up are like the son of like a local like kind of crime boss type guy and so he puts a hit out on this guy and so they go and kidnap his girl and they say look if you don't kill this local sheriff that's giving me problems, we're going to kill your girl. And so like at the end of this first issue, he's like, Oh fuck, you know, I have to go kill this family. This sounds all so far. You've heard this story a million times, right? Mm. Here's the hook on plastic. That girl, Virginia, she's actually a plastic fuck doll that that this guy's in love with. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so he's going all through all this stuff to go and rescue his plastic fuck doll. <laughs> it's like right there, it's like you hear that hook and you're like, how do you not pick up at least the first issue and read it? And then it's one of those yeah. books where after you read the first issue, you're like, oh, fuck, I have to see how this finishes. And so you end up reading. I think it's like a five issue run. So it's much plastic? fun. Plastic. Okay. It's very good. Very demented. And uh, Doug's got a book, uh, another one that's coming out right now that I think it's going to be either a six or seven issue miniseries. And it's kind of being billed as like a, a like, a, like kind of like almost like a follow up to plastic, though. I don't think it has the same characters. It's kind of like a, spir- a spiritual sequel. And that one's called Vinyl. And it's got all sorts of fucked up shit going on in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Doug's got a very, very demented mind. And I say this with the utmost respect because I love the stories that that mind comes up with. Yeah. But yeah, Plastic in the Hard Place. I, I try and recommend those books to everybody I talk to that's into comics. Like, dude, they, they're, they're so good. And for, for, you know, they're so different from each other as well. Okay. Pla- Wait, plastic and what was the other? I- I'm like brain farting. What was the other one? The hard place. The hard place. Right, right, right. Okay. The hard place sounds really good, dude. The hard place is like if I were to make a, a list of like my favorite comic book miniseries of all time, like the hard place would be in my top three. Yeah, that's a good story. Like, like storyline. It, it, it like sh- it should be a movie. Like, yeah. like it like 
like some some enterprising director out there should find the hard place and like try and like adapt it into it and like you know make Doug a millionaire because that plot is Act One alone where it's just like oh shit twenty minutes in the movie and you're like wait what like, oh and oh, I only told that oh. was the all that I told you about there that was only issue one yeah you know there's so much more that goes on with it it's so fucking cool <laughs> it's so fucking cool the uh, the bad guys in it are so deplorable. Like, one of them wears a monkey mask and the other wears a zebra mask. Yeah. Like, you know, that's what they were wearing when they go and rob the bank. And, oh, it's it's just fucking wild. It's so good. And uh, I think the main character's name is A.J. Gurney. And he's such a cool character. Hmm. And, yeah, very, very fun book. Um, I just – I love miniseries in general. I'm a really big fan of miniseries. Like, um, I always look forward to Mark Miller books because he tends to do a lot of the miniseries stuff. Yeah. Um, have you ever read Chrononauts? Yep. Oh, yeah. I love Chrononauts. I love that. I haven't read the new one. I, I, I've, Neither I've have I. I borrowed it. I borrowed it on uh, on Comicsology, but yeah, I've not gotten into it. But yeah, when I first read that, because that was like around the time where I was just buying number ones on Image, and that was one of them. I was like, this is great. Like, holy shit. And then it just ended. I was like, what? It's over? <laughs> yeah, I think it's five issues, right? Yeah, it's so short. Oh, that's got one of those perfect endings, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, the first issue when you have when they're like in the tomb and they find like a, a a jet from like 2012, they're like, we don't know what's happening. It's just like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. They find like a fighter jet like buried down to like yeah. in the basement of a pyramid or whatever. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I love that. And just the the resolution in that book is so good. With the, you know, well, we got everything cleaned up, but man, I'm, I'm just going back to a life that, that's terrible. And his friend's like, dude, you have a time machine. You can fix everything. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like Mark Miller, dude, that guy, like he's, he's another one of my favorite writers. Like, I feel like so much of the stuff he writes, like, well, like just what a brilliant mind that he has. Um, I yeah I I've I have not read the the third volume of Jupiter's uh, Circle or Legacy whatever they're calling it now but yeah I was until the TV show came out I was like the biggest uh, supporter of it and then the series came out I was like what happened <laughs> dude the but reviews were so bad it. for that I was like I'm yeah. not even gonna watch this I'm it I'm gonna just let the comic be yeah. in my mind like they did a dude the show did a good job it was just that like there was no faith because they basically did the first they did the first like 3 issues in 6 episodes which i was pretty impressed with but like i like they were going for i i thought they were going for the long run and i was like this is a good setup because like in the beginning of the comics the sun is just an asshole and mm-hmm. you don't want to deal with them anyway in the series we're learning why he's turning into an asshole. Like he's still like innocent and his dad is ju- just the biggest asshole in the world. Yeah. Way too like, hard on him. Yeah. And you don't really see that. until like issue two or three or like, well, I take that back. We, you see that in issue one, but they don't show that because he's not doing the whole, like I'm moving this, this ship in the middle of the air. you like an airplane sort of thing. That doesn't happen in the, in the, uh, in the, in the show. Like that's a season two thing. Like they're building up to that. So I was excited. Like they're like they're doing. Are in the in the show, but then some of them 
they held back on because I'm like, oh, we're holding off on like the dad son drama and we're not going to get it now. And that that is the hook of the series. And they have a great line in the show where he the son, he doesn't know how to do um, his uh, his eye beams or whatever yet. And in the show, the dad's like, don't worry, son, you'll figure it out one day. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But that doesn't happen in the first season, which is fine, but we'll never get it now. And that was like a jaw dropping moment in the comics for me at the end of issue three, where I was like, what? Yeah, super fucked up. Yeah. It's just I I feel like that Netflix just screwed it up completely. Like they they had a, a, a they had a gold mine on their hands, in my opinion. Well, they have access to the whole Miller universe. Or Millerverse, yeah. or, or you know, whatever. I can't think what is. I think it's Millerverse, right? No, I think that's. No, I think you're right. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm just waiting for them. Like I think they're going to do the Magic Order, and it's like, dude, as long as you stick to that source material, that's going to be a fucking excellent season. Like, did I you read, read the Magic one, Order? But, no, I have not. But they're also like doing like a spinoff in the same Jupiter Circle world where it's just. Everyone else. So it's just, I don't know what, it, it sounds like a soft reboot already. I don't know what huh. the hell they're doing, but I, I don't know. I, I, I have no faith in Netflix and Miller uh, World or Millerverse anymore. Hmm. That's too bad. Is it Miller yeah. World? Now I'm questioning everything, Steve. <laughs> it might be Miller World. I'm trying to picture. I follow him on Twitter. I know. I'm trying to like, picture I, it. <laughs> the ads are always there at the end of the image comics too. It's like Miller World or Miller Verse. I think it's World. I think no, it's I think World it too. World. Yeah. Yeah. The Magic Order was was really cool. Fucking dark, man. That that's one of the the books I put on the iPad for my wife. I was like, this this okay. can count as horror. Like the the ways that people die in this book are so fucked up. Yeah, no, I have no idea what that one. No, I've not heard of that one at all. Yeah, it's it's so in the magic order there's all these different like magical families that that can kind of exist in such a way that that normal people don't even see it happening. You know like all the shit in Doctor Strange where they'd be, you know, fighting but then they'd kind of like do it in like the mirror universe or whatever so yeah. it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of stuff like that where stuff is happening right in front of people and they don't even realize it's happening. Mm. And there's this guy who's kind of like the patriarch of this family and they're like kind of like the top magical family. And so they have, they have ownership of this castle that is like this magic castle. And inside the castle is this super powerful book of spells. And this family is kind of like the custodian of this. And the only way, here's the cool part. The only way to get to this castle is like through a painting like in the Louvre or something like that. You actually have to like step into the, it's like a painting of a castle. And when you step into so that painting. it's like painting, Harry Potter. Kind of. This is kind of like a, a way more dark, fucked up Harry Potter type magic world type stuff. And, and this is a comic? Yeah. <laughs> it's an image comic. <laughs> it's a five issue miniseries for the vo- the first volume, which is kind of like a self-contained story in itself. And then I've read most of his stuff, and this is like I've never even heard of this one. Yeah, it sounds really good, dude. Highly recommend this one. Like I, I enjoyed the shit out of the Magic Order, and the the stuff that happens in the fifth issue, I did not see coming. 
And Ooh, so, I mean, he, yeah. he did a really, really good job, like, totally pulling the rug out from under me. Like, it, I, I went for his storyline, hook, line, and sinker. Like, I okay. was so excited to read that fifth issue. And um, Interesting. But, so what happens is that this, 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 like, patriarch of this family, he's got two sons and a daughter. And the son that is kind of like there and willing to take over like the family business and step in and kind of the dad is almost kind of like the sorcerer supreme. Right. And what he does for a job is he's like a stage magician, but he doesn't use like real magic when he's doing the stage magician stuff, which is pretty cool that they work that into his character. And um, the one son that's kind of like ready to take over the dad's like, nah, you, you, you're really not cut out for this. You can't really handle it. And the daughter is like, she's all sorts of fucked up. She's always getting in trouble with the police and getting fucked up all the time. And then the one son that was like super powerful, that is the one that as he was growing up, the dad was always like, you know, this is going to be the one you're going to be the one to take over this. Something really, really tragic happened in, in his life. And so he put away magic and walked away from it and told the family, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. I'm just living a normal life. Well, now that this dad is getting on in years, other cousins in the family are like kind of trying to take over and like people start dying like horrific deaths. And there's this magical assassin that they just call the Venetian that's able to like pet cast these spells that are so fucking powerful that people can't get out of them. And so all these people start dying and then eventually, you know, actually like close members in that family, like start getting targeted. And so then it's kind of a race to find out, you know, who's doing this? Why? Who's the Venetian? How do we beat them? And it's a, it is an amazing roller coaster of a story. And it sounds good. Yeah, I loved it, dude. And the artwork in it is absolutely incredible. Um, really, really, really good book. Highly recommend The Magic Order. Okay. And, and just hearing that story, it's, you need to read The, the Sword. Yeah, the, really the sword's been on my list others, forever. Yeah. Like, because that's that's kind of been on there ever since I read Girls. Because I, re- I could, I think it's Jonathan Luna, is the one where did he, did he write um, Alex and Ada, or maybe did the oh I don't know. It? The only the only thing I know is Luna Brothers. I don't even know their first names. I just know Luna Brothers, the sword, one of the, like like top ten like stories in general. Like I like I loved that. Just the twenty four issue arc of that was just like. Like a two movie epic, or like two volumes. I think so it's Jonathan that, that's Luna, and I, I think he was he's teamed up with with a woman for that one. I'm trying to remember. I'm hmm. I'm pulling up at an explorer right now, looking. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. But Alex and Eight is a, a three issue, um, or not three issue, but uh, it went three volumes in paperback trade, okay. and it it deals with. Um, it's almost like a Westworld type thing where there's these really, really, really lifelike androids that are just kind of programmed to do whatever people want them to do. It can be your buddy. You know, it can be your fuck buddy. It can just clean your house. You know, whatever. But then there's like a movement to like kind of like jailbreak these things and move those, remove those controls for them and let them actually be sentient. And then the government starts cracking down on people that are, you know, like jailbreaking these robots. And then they're worried that, that you know, it's, stuff's going to get out of hand if they do it. Yeah. And they're sentient. Yeah. And so this main character 
you know, he's kind of all by himself. Wait, is the main character sentient? The main character is a human. Okay, okay, sorry, okay. And and his gra- his grandma's awesome because his grandma's got like a robot that's like a younger dude that, it, that she has sex with and stuff. <laughs> and so like the grandma's like really hip, and so she's like, you know, I I don't like that you're alone all the time. You know, I I bought this for you, and so he goes home, and there's this, you know, brand new you know robot there waiting for him, and so he names her Ada. And Alex is the main character, and so he names her Ada and starts... Okay, yeah. Like, he he never... He doesn't, like, you know, treat her like a fuckbot or anything like that. And then eventually he he goes and gets her, like, jailbroke, and they kind of end up falling in love. But then they have to go on the run at the same time because she's not, you know, she's not legal. Right. Technically, she's not real. Yeah, it's... It is a fantastic kind of, like, adventure slash kind of love story. It's another very, very moving book. Like Alex and Ada is one of those ones that it will move you to tears. It, I've I've definitely heard of it before, or I think I've seen the artwork for it, but it sounds familiar. Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. Interesting. Okay. And they did another book together that's a fantasy series called Eternal Empire, and that one is nope. fucking rad, dude. It takes place on this entire different world and it has like fucking dragons and stuff in it. And these hmm. these two people, is a, it's a guy and a girl. And when they come like within close contact with each other, they all of a sudden have like magic fire based powers. But okay. only if they're within proximity to each other. It's freaking hmm. wild. And then there's like this evil queen that's kind of like taken over. Um, like every Blair and it's like you come to find out that like some of these different people like have got like they're like descendants of dragons and like the queen was a descendant of dragons and and so are both of these other characters and they kind of come to realize it and realize that they can band together and and take out this evil queen and you know kind of save the kingdom or save all the kingdoms it's a fucking really great book Okay. It sounds it's I mean I'm not, it's not the same but it sounds similar to like what Birthright is. Yeah, Birthright's a fun story too. That's Yeah. The the hook on that one is just insane. For <laughs> the first time are I you heard, caught up? No, you, I'm not I'm not current on it. Um I'm pretty far I'm pretty deep where into it though you? because where cuz his brother's name is Brendan, right? Yeah. So I'm far enough into where Brendan got kidnapped. By that one, uh, like kind of minion of the of lore, and then she started teaching him magic. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Keep reading because. Uh, all right. Can I spoil some stuff? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay. If, spoilers if not- for birthright. I'm. You know what? For 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 this episode, I'm just gonna say lots of comic book spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it right in the notes. So yeah, go for so, it, dude. All right. So if you don't mind, then no, I don't care. They beat lore, right? But within the beating, without within the the battle and everything, both Mikey's parents, mother and father, get stuck in the other world. Oh shit! When Brendan closes the gate, and Brendan uses like twenty different more spells than his grandfather did when they first closed the gate. Mm-hmm. So now they're like. What do we do? Like, they're literally stuck in there because they can't cross over anymore. Like, it's done. They closed the gate. So now I'm like 10 issues behind. But now 
They're trying to find Brendan because he's all embarrassed about it. His parents are stuck in that other realm, so they're aging so much faster than them. And all I know is that like like a couple issues later, the parents seem to be rescued all old and shit. So I don't know what happens. I don't know if they get them both back, but it looks like now the the parents are going to be in there for like 20 years. Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, what a yeah. fun book, man. It's super. So, yeah, I was going to say, we just spoiled part of it. But basically, if you never heard of Birthright, the, this kid goes missing on his birthday. And, like, he, he's playing catch with his dad in a park. And he goes chasing the baseball into the woods. And then the kid's just gone. And then a year later, the this dude gets like Conan the Barbarian type dude gets picked up by police and they run his fingerprints and it's this kid. Only now he's an adult and he's fucking huge and jacked. He's got a big beard and all these fucking weapons and shit. And so they bring the parents in and say, this is your son. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then adventure kind of goes from there. But yeah, Birthright's yeah. amazing. And another Joshua Williamson. It is. Yeah, that's the thing. Where I'm, Joshua Williamson, for me, is a hit or miss. It's either great or eh. And I think for me, the more independent he does, I might be more of a fan of because, yeah, I did not care for his Flash by like <laughs> issue 30. I was like, can we get a new writer? Like, it's just the same <laughs> shit. More speedsters. It's like the TV show. More speedsters. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. The first couple, like August or whatever his name was. Yeah, Godspeed. Cool. He was rad. Yeah. Oh, that was really cool. But then, like, after a while, it was just like, oh, this guy's fast. This guy's kind of fast. Like, oh, no, this guy. Hey, Grill Zod. And then, like, or, or Grodd. And then, like, not Grodd. And that was then, like, I remember he had a great Grodd story. But then after that, it kind of started falling down the mountainside. I loved the, the crossover issue with, with Batman, the button. That was good. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that was good. That first button issue was so fucking rad how it had the timestamps by the second in every yeah. single panel. And it was basically just Batman getting the shit kicked out of him by the reverse flash in slow-mo for the entire issue. Like, is there's so much blood. I don't know if I'd ever read a, a a Batman comic that had that much blood in it before. Did you hear the resolution of all that, like with Doomsday and everything, uh, or whatever, or like, Doom Clock, whatever it was called? Yeah, I, I read Doomsday Clock. I, I was not excited with the way that wrapped up. Basically, it was like See, Doc, Doc oh, Manhattan's son. Dude, I waited a full two years. Every other month, I yeah, because it took for subscribed. fucking ever to come out. Dude, oh my god. And then finally like I, honestly it was worth the wait only because I liked the ending. I liked how it was like um how Miss or Dr. Manhattan was like the multiverse. It was like no matter what I do, you guys just keep coming at me or whatever. Just it was like his explanation of the multiverses of DC. I thought it was cool. It's not the best, but yeah. I thought yeah, it was I, a cool resolution. I just thought for how long we had to wait for it to come out, I was kind of like, meh. But, like, yeah. the the characters that they introduced of the marionette and the mime, those were Oh, I loved fantastic. them. Oh, my God. And the artwork in those, those were the books best was parts. so good. 
Dude, oh man! I, when they were like the, the the pretend guns or whatever, or like yes, the, pretend the first time he did oh. that, I was like, "No fucking way!" That guy just shot somebody with a finger gun. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you, you think, like that's like that. It sounds so stupid on paper, but for some odd reason in this comic, not only did it work, I was like shivering in my boots. I was like, "Oh my god, this is real." Like it just it worked. Yeah. And then it in combination so well. with that really, really fantastic artwork. And yeah, I'm a huge sucker for like classic nine panel page layouts like that. I, I love the look of Watchmen. And so I really yeah, liked I, that I that same depends, feeling yeah. carried over to Doomsday Clock. Oh, I agree. The way they handled it was, yeah, it doesn't always like like the nine panel doesn't always work. But yeah, like following it with. Like it definitely works more in the '90s or the '70s or eight. It all depends on what kind of story you're telling. But like, yeah, like for me, whenever like when you bring up that nine pound thing, I'm immediately thinking of like the Dark Knight. You know what I mean? Like just like the '80s type of books. Yeah, like that was the thing, but it worked. And you're right though. Like when Doomsday Clock brought it back, I was like, "This is great." Like it was definitely worth the buy, but God, did it take time. (laughs) Yeah, I have every single individual issue though. I have all 12 of them and um, one of them, I think one of them in there is, yeah, it's the lenticular cover where it looks like Rorschach's mask, but then it turns into the uh, Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman symbols. And um, I'm almost a bottle of wine. (laughs) I've I've drank like three beers, (laughs) which is a lot for me. Good. I am um, finishing a bottle of wine right now. That's it. <laughs> nice. What kind of wine are you drinking? I I'm a big fan of um, Malbec red wine. Uh, if anybody knows Alamos, and yes, it is plural. I don't know why, but maybe because <laughs> you need to buy two. But I don't know. I love the the tangy sour red wine taste, and Malbec to me is the uh, ultimate type of red wine for me. Nice. Yes, I I've never I've never really gotten into wine, but I mm. do, I do know it can get you shockingly drunk really fast. Yeah, really. De- yeah, depending on the <laughs> wine, but yeah, for sure. I grew up with wine. My uh my family my mother's side of the family is very Italian, and my dad was Jewish, so it was all about the mother's side of the family my entire life. So basically, I grew up Italian, and uh, yeah, we always. Like, mom, you were allowed to drink wine at age 11. She's like, yeah, I also grew up in the 60s. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Now I know. But, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So did you grow up with like, sorry, lots of like really good like home-cooked Italian food and stuff then also? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like, love it. Oh, yeah. And my mom would kill me, but she was born in the 60s. So, no, she grew up in the 70s. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Just, I've, I've already been drinking. <laughs> Uh, um, um, so did you read the wild storm? No, I don't even know what that is. Oh shit. Who wrote okay. that? So the wild storm was, it was kind of like a reboot on the wild storm universe that, that, uh, image. Oh, can I, I'm sorry. Can I say one thing just, yeah, just do before it. you get it all for anybody listening? That's like, wow, all these writers and everything. And if you're not into comics, but you have been hearing great stories, don't worry about the writer. Just start reading the comics. You'll figure out which writers you like and you'll follow them. Yeah, without a doubt. 
Yeah, within a couple of different books, a couple of different creators, you'll start to figure out who you like, and you'll start following them. And believe me, it took me 20, 30, 40 writers to figure out who I like, and that's like four. So just like anything else, just the more you read and the more you figure out, the more you'll understand of like what to check out in comics and like someone like Donny Cates, like he's not one of my favorites, but my God, that guy knows how to write. You know, you'll just you'll get that respect for them, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm just rambling now. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I'm I'm on Twitter at, at the Tubby Ninja. So if you ever have questions or you're like, you know, I want to get into comics. What should I read? You know, hey, hit me up. I, I'm, I'm always stoked to talk comics and give recommendations to people. Um, and and like I was saying earlier with with the independent comics, there's. There's so many good publishers out there, like Image and Aftershock, and uh, Boom Studios, and yeah, they ju- there's just so many amazing books to choose from. It's it, there's never been a better time to 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 jump into comics and start reading. I mean, it, it's such a great, it's just it's a, it's a perfect medium for for storytelling, and you can get through stories like really really fast too. Um, it, it's. I, I don't know. Like I, I've tried getting my dad into it a bunch of times and he's like, Oh, I just can't. I, I, I feel like I feel like I'm reading little kids' books. And it's like I'm like, Dad, I just gave you the old guard. This is not a yeah. little kid's book. <laughs> like like Honestly, these are about immortal sometimes... warriors that have lived throughout the ages. Like you should fucking love this and he couldn't get into it. So I know some people just can't do it, but it depends on the art. Like that's the one thing with comics. Sometimes it's the art that can grab your attention. You know, that is like, very true. Every like you know, for sometimes like for me, like I'll be like, I can't stand this art. I might not finish a book. You know, it's very rare at this point. But in the beginning, I was like, if I don't like the art, you know, there's no reason to follow the story because that's literally what you're watching. At that point, <laughs> yeah, right? I've if been there before. Sense, you know, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Like that's what like just like movies and everything else, comics are subjective. Like, you know, it's not like you have to like it, but hope like there's so much um just of a, a a difference with genres in general with comic books at this point. It's just like you could do you could read anything. It's not just superheroes anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's like do you have a genre of movies that you love like like are horror movies or you like are horror movies your jam? Like if so, let me introduce you to Cullen Bunn. <laughs> he has a a ton of amazing horror comics out there that you can read. Or you know, are you are you really into you know like um like the like action adventure type stuff? But like superheroes really aren't your jam. It's like well, there's a ton of good independent comics out there that would absolutely fill that void for you. And yeah. And in, in, you know, going into a comic shop and really not having any idea really what you want and going in and like seeing just book after book after book taking up every space on the wall, it can be really overwhelming. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, reach out, <laughs> reach out, like contact the show, hit me up on Twitter. If you got any questions, like I'd, I'd love to I'd love to steer you in the right direction. Um. But yeah, so uh, uh, Wildstorm, that was one of those books that I fell into that came out right around the time that Rebirth launched. And it's uh, okay. uh, Warren Ellis that uh, and did the writing. And he's kind of had some shit 
go on, but I I don't know. I'm I'm letting I'm letting the wild storm just stand for what it is because that book's fucking amazing. Art's art sometimes, yeah. No, I mean it's sometimes like hey. You might find out years later, like Baby Driver is one of my favorite movies, not of all time. Perfect but, like, example. I, I love that movie, but now not only is Kevin Spacey in it, but um, the other main character, he's very problematic as well. So it's like, so what about all the other, other people that worked on this? You know, it's just like you can like it for what it is, but everybody has their own line and that's OK. Like, exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah, and but really where the Wildstorm stands out for me is the artist who's John Davis Hunt, and he's one of my favorite comic book artists. Um, he also did the first two volumes of Clean Room by Gail Simone, which is a, a Vertigo oh, comic. Great. Yeah. Have you ever read Clean Room? That's a good horror comic. No, I've never even heard of it, but it sounds good. Ah, I'm okay. Not, so real quick. Horror's let's- a weird subject for me in general, though, like genre-wise. Like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, what's funny is with horror, because of Scenic Cast, you guys have actually pushed me into horror movies more. I've always been yeah. a huge fan of horror comics, not so much horror movies, but you guys have, have, have helped get me. You're help, helping me get there. And I'm, I'm sure my what wife really appreciates the Like what genre? It, no, what is it that – okay, so – no, I'm sorry. Well, like what – um. It intrigues me that you're saying that, you know, you're not a big horror fan with movies, but it sounds like you'll grab them off the shelves for a comic book. <laughs> I don't what know what it? it is. I don't know. I I think it's because movies will have these visuals that will stay in my head longer that it, there's just some times that I don't want those fucking visuals in my head. Interesting. But, but, but comics, I can just enjoy it. Yeah, it, it doesn't wow. have the same – effect on me like um like perfect example like one of my one of my most favorite horror things that's come out somewhat recently was the haunting of hill house like i really really loved what they did because like there's like maybe two jump scares in that entire season and there's scary 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 shit in almost every single episode and the way that they did that was was different so it hooked me but at the same time i did not like waking up in the middle of the night and having it be three in the morning and just randomly thinking about the bent neck lady <laughs> I, I didn't like that shit at all that never happens to me with comics <laughs> so you can see an image of the bent le- the neck lady but that's fine the second you well, see if it's a, a drawing version, if it's a drawing right. in a panel it's yeah, not, yeah, it's yeah, not right. gonna it's it's like okay that is what it is but yeah. for whatever reason like and you remember what I was telling you earlier that like when I was a kid, I was a giant pussy about this stuff. So I don't know if it's like a holdout from that. But um, I mean, it's a realistic thing of like it could just be you going like, oh, my God, like I can't handle the realistic part of it. Like it's one thing to see a drawing or just imagine of it your own way. But like your mind just might not be able to handle the whole like this is real. Like yeah. there's so there's an axe in someone's head, like like that. <laughs> well, actually, movies are just such a much more immersive experience, yeah. you know, because well, you, you've got real. the visuals like, on the screen, yeah. and then you know the score with it. The score does such a good job of like you know getting you in the place emotionally where they want yeah. you to be for this scene anyway. And so, you know, I, I I think it just being a so much more immersive experience that it just 
embeds itself into my brain further and then it reminds me of it in times where I'm like, I don't want to think about this right now. <laughs> like the fact that, um, oh, perfect example. Um, for years and years, um, my wife and I had a an office cleaning gig that we did where like once a week we'd go and clean this chiropractor's office. They kept all their cleaning supplies down in the basement. And so the there would never be any lights on down in the basement. And so you'd go down there and like one little light would turn on and the whole basement was unfinished under this office. So it's just uh, walls with studs and visqueen yeah. plastic hanging that you can't see beyond in the inky darkness. And realistically, I know that I'm probably the only thing down there besides maybe some mice or something like that. Are and there's you, nothing that's going to get me from behind as I'm going up those stairs. But even as like a, per, a, a man in my mid thirties, I would have to run up those stairs. Like I was a little kid and it goes back to that sort of shit where it's like, I don't think about these things until I'm in this exact position. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking about all these different things from horror movies. And in a way it's kind of funny because I'm almost laughing to myself as I'm running up these stairs, but it's like, got to run up the stairs before the monsters get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I blame horror movies specifically on that. Like, you know, anything horror visual in that sort of way, but for whatever reason, comics don't really do it to me. I can just kind of enjoy the story for what it is. Kind of the, the same with books. Like I, I remember reading Stephen King books in high school and having them freak me out quite a bit, but reading it didn't scare me as much as watching the 90s miniseries when I was a kid, because the okay. visuals from that miniseries scared the shit out of me as I was a, when I was a kid. But, you know, reading the book, it was like, yeah, they're, they're visuals, they're, but they're visuals in your head, so they're a little bit different. I don't know, books just didn't scare me the same way that movies did, and I think it's that immersive visual component to it that, that really worms its way into my brain and then pops up in scenarios where <laughs> where realistically I shouldn't be afraid but here I am being scared I get it yeah it's kind of everybody's scary. different like I like <laughs> like for me I was not into horror thrashers like poltergeist Cape Fear I never saw those as horror movies. And to me, a horror movie is a slasher, something like Freddy, you know, Elm Street, something like that. Like that to me, that's a horror. Uh Like, so when I started watching movies like Nocturnal Animals and Gone Girls, like these aren't horror movies. These are like actual nightmare thrillers of like what can actually happen. Like, I was always under the impression that like horror movies are like slashers, like Scream, which is a great movie, but like, yeah, I didn't really care. I never saw the the Elm Street movies. I never saw the Halloween movies until recently. You know, it's just like, so for me, I was never like, I never understood. Like for me, I always thought slot like horror movies were like slashers, like oh, stab them up. Like that's not scary to me. Scary is like nocturnal animals or something where it's like an actual like, what do you do in this situation? Not, oh, my God, there's a killer in my backyard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's different different levels to them. And I feel like those ones that are like the more, you know, like suspense type thrillers, 
like those are are definitely scarier to me than than something like you know like scream or or nightmare on elm street or something like right that. like like for me in sixth grade the horror movie of the time was alien versus predator and i was like the fuck is this they're in mexico what like yeah i was just like this is fucking stupid that's so barely like, a then horror on, movie. i was like right but to me that was like my quote-unquote gateway of like all right let's see what the fuck this shit is about and i was like this is stupid so it wasn't until 2014 2015 where i was like oh like movies like cape fear are still made you know that's yeah. all for that uh, for me wise. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. God, there's there's <laughs> there's so many times where my wife's watching something, and I'm just like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> just, yeah, right. It's just like, why, why do you want to watch this? Like, they're dying. Yeah, I get that, but like, it's not mafia. It's not like like they deserve it. It's just like, it's their backyard. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to that, um, to checking out that I Know What You Did Last Summer series, and I, I hope they, I hope they do good with it. I've, I've never seen that movie or that franchise. Oh, you never saw I've that movie? Scream, that movie was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I never, for some odd reason, with, with Freddie Prince Jr., right? I never, I never saw yep. that for some reason. That was just like, I, I chose, for me, it was like, I, I choose Scream. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's yeah, Scream's two. amazing. Yeah. Oh, and we're getting but a, like, a new kid, one of though, that coming out. I can't believe it. I know. I'm going to have to do a uh, retrospective because I've only seen the first two a couple of times. I don't think I've seen the third or fourth. So gives me a reason to watch them anyway. And uh, I don't know. You know me. I, as I said earlier, I like to keep changing things up t- a tad bit. And, uh, uh, the Scenic cast itself, the name is – we're called the Scenic cast now it's because I changed the RSS feed and I wanted to make it more as like, yeah, I'm doing mostly movie reviews, but there might be one of those times where we want to talk about television. We can do that now. It's called the Scenic cast. It's not Scenic cast movie reviews. It's just – it's the. So whatever you want to talk about, we're going to do. So yeah, the first – 26 episodes will be movies but you know i've been thinking i'm sure that like you know later this year maybe we'll have a tv episode you know who knows but nice there's just so much involved with what is the scene at cast you know what i mean like yeah movies are there but like and i like throwing in throwbacks as well but it's just i don't know i like keep changing it up because that just makes it more interesting yeah yeah i know what you mean Variety is the spice of life. <laughs> and I don't know. For me, it's always fun because I'm always the guy that like I was there when so and so. So like, you know, the intro is always different for me. You know, I always like to change it up just a bit because it's always different. You always have a, a different intro part. You always have a different something like everything. Nothing's the same. Nothing's routine while there is routine. If that makes sense. <laughs> I think I'm with you. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, listen, this is what we're going to do, but like, fuck you. This is my show. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. 
I'm just Joe having fun podcasting with bottle of wine, Steve, right now. <laughs> God damn it. I knew it. <laughs> hey, I'm three beers in. If I got off the bar stool and started walking around right now, I'd probably feel it. <laughs> Listen, am I am I at least making sense? That's all I care about. <laughs> I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> all right, go, go, good. <laughs> um, okay, so um, that bounce back to comics for just a minute. So I was yeah, telling you about sorry, the Wildstorm. Yes, so yes. the Wildstorm's really fucking sweet. It was a, a 24 issue run that is four six issue arcs. Okay. That, that run That's concurrently awesome. that overall tell an entire story. And so it's Who's based. The right. uh, That's the Warren Ellis book I was telling you. So this oh, is okay. Warren Ellis okay. and John Davis Hunt. And mm. it is like. So when. When Jim Lee was in Image, he created a universe called, uh, like, or a book called Wildcats. And so, CAT was like a acronym for Covert Action Team. And so, okay. yeah. And so, in the Wildstorm, it's like taking elements from that stuff, and it's kind of all. I I didn't read too much of the original stuff, so I'm not that familiar with that. <clears throat> but but I've read the Wildstorm like in its entirety like three times now and so it's it's loosely it's like it's taking place in like one of the multiverses of the dc universe where you'll see characters you know wearing like a superman shirt or something like that but none of those heroes are actually in the book okay um but there's like these two different like like entities that are like trying to control planet earth there's um IO, which is internal operations that basically started off as like an intelligence service that grew to eventually take over the entire world. And so they run everything on Earth. And then there's this other um, there's this other entity that they're up in space and they're all in space stations that are all um, like kind of like camouflage. So nobody actually knows that they're there and they pretty much control everything to do with space and these two different entities have got all these different treaties going back and forth so that they don't have open warfare because io understands that you know the 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 space place the space people i'm i can't remember what they were called but they can basically turn the planet into like a glowing nuclear spot but if they do so they don't have a planet to drop back down to for resources so it's kind of like a Cold War type thing between these entities. Okay. And at the same time, <clears throat> oh, got the throat clear is going on. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, there's like this group of people that you come to find out are actually aliens that like look like people that have been on the planet for thousands and thousands of years because their spaceship like crash landed there like way back in the past. And they're kind of trying to like help humanity out in any way that they can, but they've also kind of got their own goals going on and they kind of get stuck in the middle between these two different warring factions. And like, that's kind of where the story takes place is kind of how that works out. And then there's this one character that was working for IO and she used some stolen technology from the, the, the space people. And she created this like transdermal suit so it's almost like an Iron Man suit, but it like comes out of her pores, like it comes out of her body and like wraps around her and like basically like 
cuts its way out and like heals her at the same time. So like when she like what the fuck yeah so like when she activates this dry suit it's like incredibly painful for her but she's like super powerful and so she like is like out on the street and this dude comes flying out of a window that gets blasted out and she saves him and he ends up being like this dude that he's kind of like a Steve Jobs type character but really he's an alien and so she runs off and so he's got like this covert action team of his own that he's put together. So that's what like the wild cat is, because it's like when these other people see it from I.O., they're basically like our team just got taken out by a wild cat. And they're like, what the fuck? We've always thought that these things might exist, but this is actual physical proof that there's some third player in the game that they control a tactical force that's like equal to ours. And so it's like all this really great political intrigue and the artwork is fantastic and all the the storylines coming together and all the different powers of all these different characters. Like Wildstorm is one of those books I highly recommend. And you can pick it up in just four trades because it's only a 24 issue run. I don't know how coherent any of that was at this point. <laughs> no, I got you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> okay oh yeah no you broke up for one second but i got it all okay that sounds really cool yeah it's a that's it's a fucking rad book i want to go back and reread it at some point i I think yeah i've got all of them on my comiXology i gotta read them again (laughs) shit dude i'm I'm in the bag (laughs) you're good you want you want to take a break real quick no do you need to take a break I, I need to use the restroom, please. <laughs> no problem. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. We're back. All right. <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam. Listen, people. <laughs> usually I'm about a, a half a bottle into wine with my episodes. I have killed an entire bottle of wine. <laughs> Dude, I know. I'm that like. I've gone for – I went a really, really long stretch without having any alcohol at all. I mean, not for any particular reason. I've just never been that big of a drinker. Yeah. And so, yeah, dude, I've put away three three craft beers doing this. And when we went on break there and I stood up and I was walking down my hallway, I was like doing like the weaving back and forth. And I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> like, dude, the but- second we hit pause, I was like, oh, my God, the bottle's gone. I was like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> That's uh, too funny. <laughs> dude, it's been so much fun talking comics with you so much. Yeah, dude, I, I I never get anyone like I have one podcast that talks about X-Men podcast, but or X-Men comics. But other than that, yeah. Other than like what you guys used to do on the uh, PCL cord or whatever. Like, yeah, there's no like podcast I, or people I talk to about comics. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I've um like I've still been reading comics a lot lately, but I haven't been reading them. I don't know, I just I continually have too many things going on. And um I've been trying to really get uh Lord of the Rings reread before that Amazon series comes out. Oh, okay. And dude, I am yeah. not in the habit of just sitting down with a novel in reading anymore. Like so much of my reading lately has been more comic books. And so, man, sometimes reading a novel feels like a real slog. Yeah. 
Especially Lord of the Rings. Like, I love Tolkien, but oh my god. Yeah, I haven't read a novel in years. I'll I'll listen to a book, but yeah, I won't. I don't remember last time I actually read a book itself. But yeah, I actually got back into like the Lord of the Rings extended editions for the Patreon, and we did the um the fellowship so so far. But yeah, it's been pretty fun just going back and learning everything about it all. But yeah, did you like those movies when they came out? I mean, uh. Yeah, I didn't see the first uh, the first movie I did not see in theaters. The second and third I did, but it was more of like a, a uh, like just because I I didn't realize how cool it was for the first one. But when I saw the second and third, there was like okay, cool. I saw them in theaters, but it was more of a pop culture reference ticket to get punched for me. Other than anything else, just because I didn't really care, but. Harry Potter, that was a whole different story. That was like, I read all those books, and then they were coming to theater. I was like, oh, okay, nice. now I get it. So I was, a, I was a few years behind with the whole, like, raving love for books turning into movies. But then right after that, I went to college, and that's when the Hunger Games started to happen. I was like, I'm having sex. <laughs> Yeah, I've never watched any of the Hunger Games movies nor read any of the books, but but I but, yeah. you know I'm aware of their cultural significance. Right, exactly. Yeah, same with me, but I was having a different cultural significance for myself. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, let's see. I think. Yeah, the the first two Harry Potter Harry Potter movies were out. <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> the first two Harry Potter movies were out. <laughs> I'm fucking slurring my words and shit. Uh, it's too much fun. I'm gonna feel like yeah. shit tomorrow. <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, you earned it. Be yeah. Happy. <laughs> but, and tomorrow I turn forty-one. Also, so ooh. Wait, tomorrow it's your, it's your birthday eve. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, man! Happy! I, I might as well be celebrating your birthday with you. Happy birthday, man! <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm glad I can get you drunk on your birthday. Yeah, you did <laughs> because I'm definitely drunk. I'm definitely a bit Good. unmoored. Drink right another now. one. <laughs> drink, I want you to drink another one right now, and then when your com- kids complain tomorrow, I'll be like, "It's spoiler Steve's fault," and I don't care <laughs> what that means to you. <laughs> And they're going to be like, what? And then you're going to be like, listen, why are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I totally lost where I was at. Oh, oh we're talking about Harry Potter. Um, yeah, right, right. Okay, Harry so, Potty. Yeah, Harry Potty. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the first two movies had come out. And I hadn't read any of the books, and my wife and I watched those first two movies, and we just absolutely fell in love with them. And so then that really? got me to read the books. Yeah, I actually loved the first two movies. Like, oh man, I remember like those were the only books where I was like in elementary school, being like, "Are you reading these books?" But yeah, no movies. Is it like, wow, that's crazy. Like the first time I ever heard of Harry Potter, it was, it was in I don't remember what college class it was in. But it was like first day introductions where you go around, say your name and something about you. Yeah. And I remember this girl saying her name and saying, and I love the Harry Potter books. 
And, and I know they're for kids, but whatever. I love them. They're just amazing. And I remember that was the first time hearing oh. about Harry Potter. And yeah. then, and then the movies came out and I was like, okay, whatever. This is some kid stuff. Um, but then when I actually watched them, I was like, well, this is, this is really great. I really liked this a lot. And so I ended up reading, I think I, I got on eBay. Yeah. Got on eBay back in the day and got like a, it was a box set that had the first four books in it. Wow. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I can even picture the book. It's funny you say that because Harry Potter is like the reason I even understood that like books on cassette exist. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean someone will read this to me? Yeah. <laughs> and um and so I got those and and I remember being so excited for Prisoner of Azkaban to come out. And yeah. and dude, the first time I watched Azkaban, I didn't like it. I was like dude, di- you- I was disappointed with a bunch of different oh, parts of it. Oh my god, that's right. Movie. You're talking about movie wise. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, because the book wise, it's like my favorite of like yeah. if you were to say, okay, you just have to pick out one of those seven Harry Potter books, which one's your favorite standalone book? I'll pick As Azkaban all day. Ooh, okay. Like it's 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 a really fun time travel story. It's just it's written at a point in in their life where like the storyline hasn't gotten too dark yet so there's still some some real childish elements to it and you know it's it's starting to get into some of the the darkness where you learn more of you know kind of i don't really know if it's like the mythology but you know harry learns a little bit more about his dad and stuff with the marauders map and all that it's just a really fun book and and i was so used to just the way that 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 chris columbus had stylized those first two movies that seeing what Alfonso Caron did with that third one, I was like, this is, this is too different. It's too weird. I don't like it. And now what's funny is looking back now, like the Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite of the movies. And it, I like it because yeah. it's so much different. And I love the stylistic choices that Alfonso Caron made. But man, at the time, I wasn't ready for it. I it's don't know nuts. Just like, yeah, no, it's just like, like, I remember like for me, when I first got into Harry Potter, the only the first three books were out. Like I remember the first time pre-ordering a book for that was Goblet of Fire, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's out!" And then that was the only book. Like, like my mom was so excited because I was excited for a book, but that was it. But nice, yeah, that was like the only series. I man, the the Great Gatsby is what got me into reading in general. Like I remember in 10th grade, I had to read this book and it's the only book I ever read in high school. That was like an actual like book for English class. Otherwise, I was intelligent enough to figure out how to not have to read the whole book. Because <laughs> The book report well, without the, the book. <laughs> well, here's the thing. My mother was an, uh, worked for an editor for a long time. So my entire life, she edited all my papers. So – I always knew what the teachers were looking for in the in the writing structure. So it was like I never need to learn everything. I just need to learn what needs to go on the paper. So for a very long time, from middle school to high school, it was more of just understanding I need to know this, this, and this, and you got your paper. I don't need to know the full story. You just need a thesis. You need a structure. <laughs> and I kind of went in reverse. 
So, yeah, by the time I got to the Great Gatsby, when his mistress runs over his other mistress and you're like, holy shit, I was legit like gasp, like clutching my pearls. <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is happening. And like my English teacher was like, why are you answering all these questions? I was like, I know the answers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude! I had some fantastic high school English teachers, and they they the the reading they assigned like really I feel like kind of like set the stage for me. Like I feel like I have a lot to thank for to to both um, Mrs. Whitehead and Mrs. Larson. Those are my two English teachers oh. that made like a huge like Mrs. Whitehead for assigning all the great stories, and Mrs. Larson for being the teacher that really made me feel like writing was uh, something that, that made me special. And what did she do for that? I, it, what was it? I think it was poetry class of all things. Really? And, and I remember we had, do you remember the movie gridlock with uh Tupac Shakur and Tim Roth? Say that again. Sorry, what? Gridlocked. It's a nineties no, movie with Tupac and and Tim Roth in it. No, I don't think I saw that one. Anyway, there's it's it's about these um these like heroin guys that are like trying to these heroin addicts that are trying to kick it, and so like running all over the city just trying to get into like a rehab place to get clean, but at the same time they kind of get mixed up with like this this drug deal that's gone sideways and then it's like a a, a dirty cop and all this shit. It's, it's a pretty good movie, but there's this great scene where there's this old blind Vietnam vet who like kind of like trashes this public office. And then while cops are surrounding him, he just keeps repeating name, rank, serial number, name, rank, serial number. And for whatever reason, it's stuck in my head. Mm. And so we had to write this thing in poetry class and like, I was never good with like rhyme and meter type poetry. I was very much I was a lot better at like um like descriptive prose type stuff that I don't know, I guess it worked for poetry class that, but yeah. but like it didn't rhyme or or follow a meter or anything like that. Um but like I just had that name rank serial number thing stuck in my head and and so I wrote this like short little piece about like this haunted piece of land. That, you know, it, it at one time was like a POW camp and, and, you know, like when, when the wind's just right, you can still keep just hear it in the, in the, hear it in the wind, name, rank, serial number, and then all's quiet again. And, and I remember reading that, like, I was really proud of it after I wrote, it. I wrote it and I was like, this is fucking good. And so when she was like, you know, who wants to go first? I raised my hand and I was like, yeah, I'll go. And so I remember reading it and then the whole class was quiet. And then someone else spoke up and they're like, well, I don't want to go next after that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, fucking wow. awesome. I was like, That's I buried great. these fuckers. And, um, yeah. and then like one of the, so she had all these different things that you were supposed to do. And one of them was submit, submit your writing to this, you know, poetry website. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm really feeling this piece. I'm going to submit it. And so I submitted it to this place and then like, Several weeks later, I get a letter in the mail saying, hey, we really love this poem and we want to put it in our book. Is that OK? And it's like, yeah, you can do that. And so I give him the permission to do it. And then like 
Several weeks later, I get another thing saying that like it won like an editor's choice award and yada, yada, yada. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And, and like, you know, oh, would you like to buy the, the compendium hardback book of all these poems? And that's where I think it was a scam. I, I think they were just taking poems from everybody and then getting all those different people to each pay $35 uh, for this book. <laughs> man, you scammed me. I was like, holy but, shit, this but, is great. But it, in the end, I've decided that none of that shit matters because all it did was it put my feet on the path and it did something that up until that point in school, I didn't have a lot of self-esteem. And so that was something that like made me feel like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. And also almost every teacher at that point would have described me as Joe's really smart and capable, but he's apathetic. Like he doesn't give a fuck because I didn't. Right. I, I went through a lot of school being like, I just have a really strong feeling. I'm never going to use any of this in adult life. This is pretty boring. And I'm just going to skate by, by the seat of my pants with a C average. Cause I'm fine with that. Meanwhile, every teacher knew that if I applied myself, I'd be a straight A student, but I wasn't going to do that. God, how annoying is that knowing your wasted talent? <laughs> my and, entire life. Yeah. My my dad like the second I saw Bronx Tale, my dad's like, Don't be a wasted talent. And from that point on, I was like, I'm wasted talent. Like, that's all it is. Like, my dad always wanted me a baseball player. The second I got mad about something and he had me swing a bat, I was hitting the ball. <laughs> but the second I'm not in any mood, I'm striking out. And it's like, why can't you get focused? Because I don't care. And it's just like, it's like that, man. It's just, it's wasted talent. What are you good at? What do you care for? How can you figure out what it is? And, you know, we're in an era where you still have time for that. You still can figure that out. It sounds oh, yeah. like, I I highly encourage you to check out what this NaNoWriMo stuff is because, Joe, you could be a great writer in the making and you just don't know it. Oh, yeah. Well, and 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 writing's one of those things where where I really do believe in myself with and 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 I feel like you know that poetry class in high school and and you know Mrs. Larson you know like assigning that and and just you know being the the just the wonderful positive person that that she is you know I I feel like that was all a perfect storm and that was something that made me feel like there's finally something in school that I care to apply myself for and then, dude, I went on a tear, and like, so I've I've kind of been writing ever since then, and yeah, it's it's besides your I become death, you have other storylines, like other like oh yeah, the the, the one I'm working on right now. Phone? Um, I I was on podcasts earlier this year where I was being very optimistic, being like, oh, this is going to be out later this year, and it's like it's not ready yet. But <laughs> the the what is it? Uh, no, not quite yet. It's, it's all storyboarded out, but, um, I, I just need to, like, I almost kind of look at my process for writing as like, it starts as like a very rough sketch meaning that it's like pretty much just an outline. And then that outline gets flushed out? out more and more. Well, what do you mean though? Is it written out or like, are you thinking it? Like, are you, are you taking strolls and. Um, extrapolating. I would say over. I'd say about half the book is completely written out, and the other half is like in like summary form. Where if okay. you're going oh, through, oh, if right. you're going through like the word document, the 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 the, the book's called the Unscarred. It's a fantasy book. Okay. 
And so if you if you read through my manuscript of the unscarred right now, you'll come to sections where there's just lots of highlighted text. And that's where it's like three paragraphs explaining what the gist of this entire chapter is. And so there's like a few chapters that I just have to go in like, I know everything that happens. And I also know the majority of what happens in the next book and in the next one after that. Right. And but so what I'm going to do with the unscarred, though, is I'm kind of taking the lessons that I learned in in self-publishing. I become death and I'm going to release the unscarred as an a podcast series that is like basically a chapter a week. And oh, the, the, so you're because I remember you talking about that. So you're adapting that even more then. Yeah, because the goal is to just get it in front of as many people as I can. And hopefully an audience resonates and who knows, maybe maybe that could be the start to a career. But but I feel like, you know, like I, I become death did did, you know, pretty good. Like, you know, OK, but it's like for something that you self-publish and it's like, I don't really know much about marketing and, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. So it's I but but. I do have a, a pretty decent podcast following and, and I, I'm lucky enough to get on, gone, you know, other shows and get in front of the, you know, other audiences and stuff like that. So I feel like the best chance I have to get the unscarred in front of lots of people is to do it as a podcast series. And, right. and so, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of where that one's at right now. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that I work on like all the time, but you know, it's like I have a regular full-time job that's like my day job, you know, that I do to to keep the lights on and feed my family and everything. And then, you know, I've kind of got this this other full-time job that consists of, you know, like kind of like gig work in a way, like, you know, like doing podcasts and, and writing and stuff. And, and ideally, you know, the dream is that someday, you know, kind of the, that gig work full-time job that I don't really get paid to do, but I is the thing that I'm super passionate about, you know, maybe someday that can supplant the office job and, yeah. and I'd actually get paid to, to, you know, be, be a writer. Cause actually to get paid to be a writer, or creative fiction, I mean, that's, that's the dream, but, but it's, it's unfair to be a starving artist when, when you have to make your family starve also. So, right. so right now it's, you know, writing is just one of those things where, you know, I, I, I do it when I can and, and, um, but yeah, Unscarred's coming along really well. It's like, like around 40,000 words so far or something. And it's only about halfway through this book. So it, it, it's, I mean, I'm excited about it too. I mean, I've been thinking about it for a really, really long time. I mean, I've been living with these characters rent free in my brain for so many years. I mean, at this point it's been like half my life that these characters have been living in my head. I get like, that, man. I, I started something a few years ago with this whole like storyline thing, and I have like four characters that are just implanted in my head where I'm like, if I ever write something independent wise, these four will be there. Like no questions asked. Like nice. just that's just how it is, you know? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird though, man, to like actually create like a world in characters because in my in my mind it's like like the characters are like almost real like but I, how like much I, easier it is to adapt it to the story you want to make now though you know what i mean like 
I thought of like 10 characters like five years ago. I Every time I want to adapt something new, I'm like, oh, I can do this and this and this with four of these characters that I've already made. And mm-hmm. it's like half the job's done. Yeah, dude. It's like just readapting because your other story was just your sandbox. So it's just how do I keep building on the sandbox? And all of a sudden, like you're saying, 10 years from now, you have a full story. Because you just didn't know what you had. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and I don't know. I've thought out so much of the history of this world. Like I have like just notes and notes where it's like thousands of years of history. <laughs> That's awesome. It's it's pretty well, cool. It's Have it's, you ever thought of just making a movie or a script or a short script or a story of of an event that happens within those – 300 years of the of whatever you're thinking of and then grow from there oh well the the unscarred it's like it's got all sorts of stuff like it it jumps around in time and so like okay you learn this history of like different stuff that happened in this world like throughout reading the book because how, how in many, in a way the, the main character is kind of learning this stuff as he goes as well and so you're kind huh. of like in his in his shoes but like the narrative shifts between lots of different characters how many years are you covering um well the first the first book takes place in a span of probably just about two weeks okay maybe maybe three weeks but you know there's lots of jumping around where you know they're they're because they're they're dealing with things that were like events that were setting in motion like in in one instance like over 3000 years before where now Is it's something like that's culminating stuff or kind of like, because i had okay. to create like my so i wanted like i wanted the the main groups of people the main two groups of people in this first book they are you know monotheistic and they believe in more or less just like magnitudes of order and chaos and so they look at at like you know their god they just refer to as the creator so he created everything so you know and in acts of like so and then in my thought was that order and chaos are kind of two sides of the same coin right and so there's going to be some individuals that are drawn more towards order and some that are drawn more towards chaos and so that's kind of where the the ultimate conflict, not so much in this first book, but in later books in the series that you'll be seeing, is kind of agents of order versus agents of chaos. Okay. But so this, what's the balance? But this first book is really setting up what's happening in that. So let's see if I can kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of this. At one time, there was like kind of this race of of people. That like kind of landed on the shores of this continent. Okay. And there was already people that were living there, but they weren't like super advanced. And these people who landed on this shore were far more advanced, like, you know, magically, societal, all this sort of stuff. And so they kind of helped these other people out. And then this whole continent kind of goes through like this golden age where these people are getting along really well. Um, these, these other people are starting to learn magic and stuff. And then over time, 
the the one race that was kind of old and wise kind of starts to decline as this other race is coming up. And Where did the old and wise come from? Across the understand. sea. From the, the place they had been in, their, their records are somewhat hazy, but they just know that the land that they left was basically, it was unlivable anymore. And so they're basically refugees from kind of this conflict that none of them really remember the details of. And so then when they hit the shores of this other continent, that's like kind of the dawn of a new age. And so Why in their timekeeping, they, they just call it the first age. Why don't they remember? Yeah. Oh, well, it's... I don't know. That, or is that a mystery? Okay, so those those will be that. details that will come in way later. <laughs> in, like, okay. later just, books in the just, series. Because, like, the series, okay. Because that's, like, that's like that sounds like... Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's like, it could be taken all as, like... clinger for me. Like, wh- why don't they remember? Like, I feel like that's the main mystery. Because you're talking about people coming from a civilization that's occurred so there's history that they're coming from mm-hmm. so not only are they not able to see you're coming from a, a world a civilization that has history of itself so it's very similar to columbus or like finding or not or columbus but like europe finding america in a way but you're dealing with possibly magic or other stuff but that's why i'm confused with why don't these sailors remember where they came from? Like, well, that's I, just, the the, the ones who the... first landed there would have absolutely remembered all the details of it. But now oh, you're talking so you're about just... many oh, generations later because oh, this is that's how like... big is this planet? <laughs> I mean, it's 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 big enough to where basically the people who are on this continent, other than the stories that that they knew from these people who came here, like they weren't aware that there was this other place across the sea like they they don't really have any conception of it but so technology does not evolve with the people yeah because like the story present day is happening like a good i don't know four thousand forty five hundred years after this event okay so you're talking about generations of deep time improve technology wise yeah yeah you're talking about like ancient past that'd be like you know looking back in in asking specific questions about, you know, movements of migrations of, you know, ancient peoples on this planet, where it basically comes down to just pure speculation. And even if you look at the ancestors of those people, they might only have legends, you know, of those days. But you're start so you're creating a legend of whatever this world is. Oh yeah. It's it's all everything in this in this story has been all created from whole cloth. Down from the world to their their history their religions, their their conflicts, um, you know, their 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 theology, all this different stuff, and it's it's fun to to play in that. It sounds great. Signed, yeah. it's it's fun to play in that size of a sandbox. But just the way that my brain works, like it all has to make sense. And so no, I'll be like writing. I, yeah, I'll be writing, and I'll come along something to where you know, in in summary, it worked out just fine. But then in the fine details, it's like. Okay, well, what's the true motivation behind that? And so then I might have to spend like a week or so wrestling with that one spot. And then maybe in the course of wrestling with it, I'll just shelve it and I'll start working on a different chapter instead. And so like I I come up with the concept for the book in a linear fashion, but I don't write it in a linear fashion. 
I'm with you, man. I, we sound very similar when it comes to just trying to think of a story <laughs> in general. I think we should team up for just like Riders Club and just be like, hey, I have this thought. Yeah, I I, I have the first chapter of of the Unscarred like actually recorded in audio form. So if you want to if you want to listen to it, I can send it to you sometime. I mean, I'm very intrigued just because like I want to just like trade ideas in general because it sounds really cool. <laughs> I like your creative mind, Joe. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) It's one of those things where I always feel weird talking about it, but it's like, it's fun to talk about. And it's one of those things that I am super passionate about, but I guys kind of remind myself. I get it. It's like, dude, you're talking about something that nobody, literally nobody else knows about because you haven't published this yet. (laughs) So it's it's weird. I understand like. Like, like, Steve, no one knows who Cotribolo is. I'm like, yeah, but it's such a cool name. It's like, doesn't matter. No one knows who it is. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> it's just like, ah. I get it. Yeah. The, I, I try and go for a walk almost every day, walk at least like a mile. And so mm. usually that's like a good 15, 20 minutes where I'm going to walk and like, I'm going to try and just, you know, grab one of those chapters like off the shelf in my brain and toss that problem around and then you know usually if i can stay focused for the entire walk i'll have to stop you know like every hundred feet or so and pull out my phone and take notes (laughs) but it's it's usually pretty productive that way and and also i found it was a really cool thing to do getting off work because then it's like i can kind of make because i have like a very logic-based job like you know working in like spreadsheets and formulas and shit like that yeah and it's the complete opposite of the mindset you need to be in in my opinion to write creative fiction and so that walk after work was always like a really nice transition period where it's like okay now i can stop thinking with this side of my brain and go over to the artistic side of my brain instead yeah i I know (laughs) i get it man yeah yeah, it's I I love doing it though. It's I feel like that's that's kind of that writing and then that that period, you know, that taking that time out during the day to go and walk and think about that stuff. I feel like that really carried me through the pandemic and and because like going through 2020, there was like some of the fucking harshest depressions I've gone through. And you can look at it in the like be like Oh wow! Look at that. There's like a four month gap here with no Startcast episodes, and it's like, yeah, that's because I was so fucking in the dumps with feeling and stuff. Where I was like, I can't imagine having a one on one conversation for three hours and not having it me me being devolving into things that I'm not happy about, which nobody wants to listen to that shit. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it, it was it was one of those things that did help pull me through. So I'm super happy it's here and. Yeah, now I yeah. just need to like win the lottery or something, so I actually have the time to sit and like write it down like I should. Hey, man, if you ever want to have just like a, a just a brainstorm meeting or just like, hey, I want to toss ideas, I'm always open for it, man. I got, I'll, I'll send you all my screenshots of all my storyboards of just whatever I've thought of, just to get your input if you want, just to. You know, sure, dude. I always love talking writing and yeah. stuff with people. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have all these great just like fiction ideas. I'm like, no, Fantastic Four should be like this. I don't care. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, yeah, dude. Yeah. Now it's it's fun doing that stuff. I 
I can I can see where the you know the thing that writers say like you gotta kill your darlings. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's I Dude, my first my first story I ever wrote, I killed most of my main characters. My <laughs> sister was like, What are you doing? And I'm like, What do you want me to do? We need to make just kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I find myself and it's like it's like, dude, if if no problems happen to these characters, if there's no conflict, there's no story. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody wants to read a story about a whole bunch of people who all just are all peachy keen all the time. <laughs> like I introduced the Red Skull in the first scene, right? And in that first scene, he literally slit a throat of one of the two agents he was talking to because they just <laughs> answered him wrong. And my sister was like, what the fuck? I was like, what? I needed to make him evil. And she's like, yeah, but like – what the hell? I'm like, yeah, well, the guy was an idiot. She's like, yeah, I got all of that on paper, but holy shit. That's totally he, he something Red sl- Skull would do. He just slid his throat. I'm like, yeah, the guy was an idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like, I, I just kind of go R-rated. So I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, you need some, like, wow factors. Let's let's slit a throat. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, yeah. it's been so much fun talking to you. Yeah, man. No, this was great. I had, I can't. Wow. Yeah, this was so much fun. I can't believe we went this long. <laughs> I've been very drunk for the last thirty minutes, so I don't know how much rambling I did. <laughs> I apologize. No, it was great. <laughs> hey, man, I rambled before you, so it works out. <laughs> well, where can people get more Steve, uh, spoiler Steve in their life? Yeah, just uh, just type in seenitcast.com or uh, the spoiler Steve in most places. You'll find me there. Excellent. Yeah, check check it out. Everybody likes movies, so, so you want you want movie reviews? Yeah, go check out Cinecast. It is the shit. Everybody likes movies. Like that's a great title. I I'm going to steal that. <laughs> oh jeez. Um, yeah, dude, thank you so much again for coming on. This has been just rad. Um, uh, God damn, I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah, I feel so proud. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, uh, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Startcast. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>